This podcast is produced by Student Media. Student Media is a student organization at the University of Evansville. Student Media produces the Crescent Magazine, published online and in print three times a semester. Student Media produces several podcasts and utilizes design, photography, video, and sound towards experiential and academic learning in journalistic endeavors and engaging storytelling. Student Media elevates the voice of the student body and connects the campus and community to important information and points of view. To learn more, visit crescent.evansville.edu. Hello, players who came up with a name for themselves if they were a superhero when they were eight years old and then decided to make it a fully-fledged character. Okay, uh, and DMs who spend $15 on a source book because they refuse to write their own. Do you want to redo that? No, I'm, I'm keeping that. Okay. Yep. You just looked at me in a really judgy way. That was intentional. Welcome back to Table Talk. I'm Maddie. And I'm Robert. Welcome to Season 2, our first official episode in Season 2 because we had our little Ooh. Session Zero catch-up. We're so off track already. Can you tell? Yeah. Can you tell? So anyways, uh, today we're going to be talking about um, Capes and Crooks. It's basically the the campaign setting is like cyberpunk superheroes. So it is like 2099. If anybody has played cyberpunk 2099 or read any of the source material. I didn't know it was 2099. Like in our world. Yeah, it's it's 2099. Huh. Yeah. Like it's set. Very far-ish. Well, I guess not super far-ish in the future, but far enough that like technology has developed and you can have heroes that have Iron Man-like suits because mm-hmm. that shit's not happening in 2023 <laughs> or 2024 or God, five or no. six or seven, right? So we got to hit the fucking fast-forward button. Yeah. But uh, the idea for the campaign um, kind of just stemmed from a deep love of superheroes and comics in general. And I think, I don't know, after I had done World Serpent Sin and tied that up, I'm trying to figure out what my next campaign was going to be. I wanted it to be a little less fantasy-heavy. I mean, World Serpentin was kind of all over the place, which you all should go back and listen to the previous episodes about World Serpentin, um, and you'll kind of you'll very quickly understand just how chaotic the setting was because there was never a constant setting. It was yeah. like we would have three sessions in one setting and then another three in a different one. Um, but fantasy is not my number one go-to, like in terms of places that and things that you can play. I think one of the lovely things about TTRPGs is that you can put them anywhere oh yeah and if i can put them anywhere why the fuck am i gonna put them in skyrim like um there's respectfully i think there's there's so much content in that world yeah i know i also bugged you when we were talking about like campaigns and stuff and i was like you know i think we should do a superhero campaign i think that'd be super fun uh because and i'm sure uh that around the time uh this is coming out i've already i've already fully launched my uh return to the uh the app um, the internet. Yes, and I did like a very big superhero project on there um, in years past, and I really, really loved it. And I wanted to um, kind of like yeah, talk a little bit about in that year about New Metro specifically, because I think the early conversations I had with you about what that world was like and that you all had created really helped influence how I wanted to role play this world. Yeah, I think it really helped me. Which I'm getting ahead because you still haven't talked about it, but it really helped me. Um, get away from the more serious stuff, like this more serious-ish content that I'm mm-hmm. used to digesting, um, and play a little bit more um, player-friendly. We'll, yeah. we'll call it that way, <laughs> player-friendly. Player so uh, I am a TikToker. Um, I was like, like no a longer cosplayer. retired. She's no out of retired. retirement. I'm back and making videos again uh, in our basement, and um, I. We cre- there were these things like I was a cosplayer and more than just like cosplaying like characters that were already out there I made like 
a lot of like those like POV videos and like those kind of blended themselves to creating these like original characters. And uh, we launched something called like a tag and it was like this kind of like storytelling community online, uh, which was very, very similar to D&D and like someone would create a world and then you would create a character in it and then other people could create their own characters in this world and they could interact with different characters um, and you could collab with people and it was really fun. Um, so I... Um, mostly on my own I did like work with um a couple other people but like all of the like grunt work was done by me <laughs> um was this world called New Metro and it was named after uh it's a combination of New York City and uh Metro City from uh yeah. Megamind because I think that name is That's hilarious so and it was kind of the concept that I had like had forever ago with some writing of like this very like campy superhero world. Like this is the world you think of when you think of like classic golden age uh, or technically not golden age. It'd probably fall a little bit more silver bronze age mm. um, superheroes in like a Marvel comics universe. Um, just a little less DC because DC could be a little wonky sometimes. Um, but this very like, um, Oh, it's, it's just the classics. It's the tropes. It's the, you're trying to make it as a superhero, and then also uh, you've got to make it to your fucking high school classes on time, like that very early Peter Parker vibe. Mm. Um, and I inserted this character named Nightlight. And so the whole concept behind her was like this world where it's like grounded in reality, but also still very lighthearted and fun and goofy, mm. because that I think is part of the big appeal with comic books. And don't get me wrong, all the edgy stuff out there is great. Like I enjoy a lot of it, but it's kind of nice to go back to the classics of like when you're a kid and you're learning about Spider-Man for the first time, you're not learning about, like, the fucked up uh, Spider-Man parts. You're learning about, oh, this is a cool guy who can shoot webs and webs up bad guys and wears bright-colored costumes and has, like, non-consequential, like, non-consequential issues that he's dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, like, that kind of energy um, and that kind of focus. Um, and just, like, this really... And it was a really interactive world, and it was so cool collaborating with all these people and creating, like, a fully fleshed-out world where, like, superheroes were a part of it and were, like, kind of, like, local celebrities. Like, a little bit more than local, but, like, yeah, you know, you sometimes run into fucking Captain America when you're going to the bodega to get yourself, like, your fucking sandwich in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, you're going to stop and take a picture with him because it's fucking Captain America, but, like... Yep. Um... What does a world look like, like a modern world with our modern views that's still fun and has superheroes in it? Right. And isn't like mega depressing like DC or kind of overly sky's the limit like Marvel can be sometimes. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many of our listeners, and I guess we can call them watchers now too, um, are familiar with, with Marvel and DC and how different they are in style. But like Marvel in particular in, in recent-ish years, like the it's like a term called power scaling like the power scaling of the universe has just gotten Nuts. insane and the consistency and the continuity is uh it's very difficult to follow because there's so many different writers and different artists and different storylines i mean that's kind of how comics have always been but jumping into comics i think now is harder than it ever has been before because mm -hmm. just there's such a wealth of content oh it's it's so many people write the characters so differently much. and the stories are really crazy but like uh, for reference, talking about Spider-Man, one of more like the most iconic, in my opinion, the most iconic villain for him being Venom. Mm -hmm. The current Venom run in Marvel, Venom and Eddie Brock have just become a god, like yeah. on celestial it's... status. Like that is, 
it's gotten insane. Like the yeah. power scaling is just fucking nuts. And it used to be like this is a world of superheroes. Like and, and I like I love my comic history and everything. And like in the original like Golden Age and everything, it for the most part was grounded in like Earth and grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Like you had characters like Superman or like all these characters. From I mean, you say space. grounded in Earth and immediately go to like oh, okay. the number let one me, alien. Let me explain myself a little like bit all more. Of let me explain myself my little. The comics aren't taking place in space. <laughs> that's like literally what I'm saying when I say grounded in Earth is like now there's entire runs of comics that are just like lit- they literally planets. take place in other planets and yeah. other spaces versus Invincible is a very good example of yeah. that a large part of their comic run takes place in, in on different planets and, and even if you're looking universes. at like the fucking um, multiverse shit is yeah, also just multiverse absurd. shit is crazy like all of that like the power scale and like that kind of puts it on par of like you're going from comics used to be about a fucking like a borough in New York mm-hmm in a city block or a city like, um, uh, oh my God. It's like the whole thing. Why would anybody want to commit a crime in New York City? Yeah. In Marvel Comics. like That's crazy. That's you're, crazy. You're about. literally asking to be arrested or sent to another dimension or to have your memory wiped yeah. or getting beat the shit out of. Like, there's no, there's no reason why anybody would commit a single crime i wouldn't fucking litter in new york city if i lived in marvel comics i wouldn't do it it's i'll say my favorite are all of the fucking like tiktoks and memes i've seen about like people uh me when i found an apartment in gotham city for 200 dollars a month Mm -hmm. and then it's just the audio is yeah it's just like joker making threats with a riddler saying he poisoned the fucking water supply like it's it's all going off it's fucking insane and then to shift to dc they've gotten darker and darker as time has gone on because that's their biggest selling point right now is like comics is that Marvel is uh, well more so with the movies and less so with the comics Marvel in general is a lot less willing to cross certain lines that DC uh, will for the sake of telling a a darker story or a grittier story Um, Marvel you can always expect a random ass pull of a crazy powerful character that was introduced two, two fucking panels ago saves the day it's all great Doctor Strange snaps his fingers, Wanda does whatever the fuck she wants to do, and then everything goes back to normal. Mm-hmm. But, like, in DC Comics, uh, there's a, oftentimes a stronger air of, like, lasting consequences, and, like, yeah. people can do fucked up things, and people are allowed to die, except for Batman, or Superman, or Wonder Woman, or The Flash, or anybody yeah. in the fucking Justice League. Like, there's still, like, DC has their, their golden boys and girls, but um, the Something. general thought is that they are able to be darker than Marvel is, and I think an approach that I took with this particular campaign is trying to find a healthy balance between the two. Yeah, something that my th- this is on the difference between like DC and Marvel comics. Um, my I took a class in high school called um, uh, History of Science Fiction and Fantasy Literature, and we did an entire unit on comic books. Like that mm-hmm. was a big chunk of it. It's pretty cool. Um, it it was fucking phenomenal. Um, but one of the things that we talked about in class of like the biggest difference between Marvel and DC, and like a like an easy way to describe it is DC makes gods and Marvel makes uh people with godlike powers mm-hmm. um and that's like the big difference of like okay yeah. dc has these ultra powerful characters and their downfall is often they're untouchable like how the and that's why you see like superman turned evil so many times yeah. is because they're like that's just a more interesting concept um for people to grasp onto because mm-hmm. it's hard for people to grasp onto these characters in, in because they're untouchable versus marvel feels extremely touchable yeah um because they're like deeply well, because anything can happen in Marvel Comics and the power structure and, like, the power hierarchy is is anything and anything, anything and everything you could possibly want. Like, yeah. you can read a story where Spider-Man becomes fucking Cosmic Captain America, whatever the fucking title is, you Cosmic Spider-Man. Spider-Girl. 
yeah, Squirrel Girl or Deadpool or like people that can like look like literally hop in the panels in between pages. Like with, shout like, out with, the Amazing Gwenpool is one of my yeah, favorite Gwenpool, comic runs ever. Where it's like in DC, you have a, a god, and there's not a single person on anybody's roster that can touch that god because the power scaling and like the hierarchy is very defined and set and finite. So then, kind of to that point, right? That's when you have people that take runs with Superman to the extreme because. Yeah. That's as far, I mean, that's the upper limit is an alien that looks like a human that can then do anything anybody else can do. Yeah. Um, Which is interesting. Like Superman as a character um, has bred so many different stereotypes and so many different takes on the like untouchable, like um, not omniscient. That's always one of the downfalls is that he's intelligent, but he doesn't know everything all the time. Yeah. Um, But like the invincible skin, immune to this, immune to that ridiculously broken strength like crazy power feats like you have like you mentioned dark superman injustice is a great example i love injustice um red dawn uh, which is a dc animated movie with really um, really good with russian well, what is it? it's russian superman isn't it yeah uh yeah. basically if he landed in russia or in the ussr instead of uh, yeah. ussr superman um you have deceased comics where they do their zombie runs yeah um which is i mean that's probably about as dark as they it have gets more fun with wise. their comic lines i'll give them that they do and they have a stronger branding on like the lines that they do like they have yeah. deceased and then they have injustice they have flashpoint like there's all sorts of marvel fun stuff you can do just... i mean everything and anything good luck finding something though marvel like picking a marvel comic to follow or a series to follow is like the equivalent of throwing a fucking dart at a globe like yeah it's you have zero idea what and who you're getting like someone being like i'm looking for like a light television show to get into and you're like game of thrones it's like that's mm-hmm that's a lot. At least Game of Thrones has continuity, though. No, that's true. Uh, good luck like, finding continuity. I feel like Marvel is with... like, pick a show on Netflix. Yeah. Any show, actually. You can pick watch whatever show episode, you want to. Pick a new series. Watch any episode. Pick a new series. Only watch, watch the pilot episodes of all television series no, streaming no, no, no. on Netflix. Like the third one. You don't get the pilot episode. You don't get Shit's the pilot crazy. episode after you've watched episode three, six, and nine mm-hmm. in that order, and then you get the pilot. Anyways, to wind us back- uh, we, we, uh, oh my God, I've totally lost my train of thought. So when I was trying to come up with a new idea for a campaign that I wanted, I always knew that I wanted to do superheroes. And then I talked to Madison about it. She mentioned New Metro. I thought that's kind of a cool setting or a way, a way to play it. Um, and I, I really like the cyberpunk setting that cyber, uh, the cyberpunk 2099 uh, or 2077, whatever. I think it's 2077 um, has to offer. And then like the original source book, which I think is cyberpunk 2020, which is crazy to me. Because um, I was just looking at the PDF, like it's Cyberpunk 2020. Because you just learned it was a TTRPG. Yeah, I just today. learned that it had a source book to previous store. to the game series. Um, on which the game also phenomenal, but I like that setting a lot. I like superheroes, and then playing it in a more relaxed fashion, I think, is kind of where all those interests intertwined. And then that is when I started looking for source books and came upon Capes and Crooks, um, which I've done some googling. I have no idea who it's by. Wait, I have credits. There's credits right on the inside. Um, I'm just going to say who the lead designer is just because that's going to be easiest. Uh, Lead designer is Justin Hanlon. Writers, also Justin Hanlon, uh, Richard Handron, and Alina. I'm not going to try and pronounce that last name. Let me see it. Um, It's Alina Itanar. I can't read. Never mind. Anyways. I can't even see the text. If there's a team name for them, they did fantastic. But Mm -hmm. when I was looking up um, TTRPGs, specifically in 5th edition for superheroes, Capes and Crooks was the most consistent among any of them. Uh, You can buy the source book on Crit Academy. You can also buy it on... What was the other thing I was just looking at? Uh, It's like drivethroughrpg.com. 
Um, you literally just look it up. You'll find it. It's only $15. Um, I did pay for this one because I don't believe in pirating most of the time. Uh, but it's it's got a wholly new system. It's bound in 5th edition rules, so you still have your, your, your normal combat and your action economy, your speed, your AC, your hit points, all that fun bullshit. But everything else is different. But every other thing is different, and that was something I didn't expect once I bought it because I watched a review of it, and I looked at some of the preview pages, and I was like, oh, this is just like a little tacked-on edition, uh, a little no. tacked, a little tacked add-on. Nah. Nope. It's a wholly different system. Yeah. Um, there's no spells. There are no traditional classes. No races, um, no there, backstories. No races, no backstories. Um, roles kind of in a different way. Like, it's a wholly different system. Um, but it's really fun. And I like that it's as different as it is because it's it's enough removed from 5th edition when you're playing that you're like, wow, we're like superheroes. Uh, but it's still in 5th edition that I had. I didn't have to teach my players how to play like a wholly new game outside yeah. of learning how the power system worked. I was like, character creation is truly the most difficult part of this. Yeah, learning how to um, how to make characters in this goes crazy, man. It was nuts. Uh, but once you figure it out, um, everything else is pretty simple mm. uh, because it is. It's still five E. It's just everything is retextured, reskinned, yep. and things are added in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they they still have a lot of just reading descriptions of spells and 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 they're not called features they're called enhancements in this universe and capes and crooks. Um, they've basically some of them have been ported directly over for fifth edition and then given a new like techie name. Others are wholly new creations to the book. Uh, both are equally cool. But um, in terms of story, well, we'll talk a little bit more about the source book and like the, how the character creation and stuff goes. But um, a jumping off point for the story, I knew I wanted to do like a Teen Titansy kind of like. Not coming of age campaign, but like um, new heroes finding their way in the world and then becoming a team and then seeing how that kind of dynamic goes. The running title that I've used for the campaign that I haven't really set at the table because God forbid they ever act as a group is the Sapphire Prodigies because they're all young, they're all new, some kind of more than uh, others, but like new to the the group experience, new to being a that's team. True. Yeah. Um, and in this particular universe, it's very unheard of for there to be teams of superheroes because being a superhero is something that's still very kind of taboo to an extent. Um, and just in recent years in this setting has become a normal thing. Yeah. Um, there was a point where I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted them to have to like earn their hero license. Uh, so like going through exams and then actually having to get like a credential that says like they're licensed to be a hero. Yeah. Um, but I kind of skipped that because I didn't want them to have to go through all that. So in theory, their parents and grandparents went through all the hard work about like earning the reputation of heroes. But... Um, yeah, it's it's a little bit more realistic in some ways uh, than other systems and getting to kind of explore that group dynamic and then hopefully play this out for at least another year, which is going to be our longest, one of our longer campaigns, I, I guess, um, is going to be fun. But that was the basis for the story. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff in here about background, and I kind of took pieces of it that I liked and pieces of it that I didn't. And I've mixed and matched uh, some in-universe history and lore with, like, campaigns. Not campaigns, with video games that I really like, uh, web series that I've read, some Marvel stuff, some DC stuff. So it's kind of like an amalgamation of different shit. But that's kind of where the story inspirations come from. Uh, towards the end of the episode, or session, I guess I should say, we'll talk a little bit more about, like, the individual characters and, and sort of how the party has worked itself out. But I think just jumping straight into things... What the character creation is like, uh, <laughs> uh, if you want to grab one of those sheets yeah. and like hold it up and wave it around. So, so and we'll put in graphics later. Um, yeah, it came with of... character sheets. I didn't like them. 
Uh, they gave me a headache to look at. Um, so I over the past they're just months, very bright colored and a little little like clustered. They try to fit a lot of things on very small pages. So I made new character sheets. So I designed them to look like comic book covers because uh, superheroes and comic books. So mm-hmm. um, this is, there's like most of the, I don't know why I'm showing the camera like we're not going to put graphics up. You know, um, just to hold it up. Yeah, just to have. Also, shout out to the art on the front of these. Madison is being AI. has done being AI to the max and has come up with some really, really cool uh, character art for all of our heroes. Which has been really fun to do for this particular campaign because it's so superhero based. I make comic books that recap each session. Yeah. Um, and I go through and I make character art of like specific moments and kind of mesh them together. That's which really is cool. fun for me. A lot of fun um, to watch. But like this is kind of... It's several pages long because I just wanted the information in a like way that we could um, hold it out and like make it pleasing. And then these are all powers, which are basically spell slots. Yep. Um, but yeah, do we want to go through? So like, I'm gonna just literally hit the table of contents. Um, so there are the table it. of contents is fucking huge. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna see. walk you through everything. Just gonna jump around to some of the more important things to know about the source books. So, um. See here. Six. Welcome to Cobalt City. So in the book, it's called Cobalt City. I changed it to Sapphire just because I don't really like Cobalt all that much. Um, and it's Elle's birthstone. Yep. It's my fiance's birthstone, which is uh, where the, the name really came from. But the concept for the cities in general is that there are basically what are called gym cities that are all around the world. The rise of superheroes, or I guess superpowered beings, kind of came at a, a significant cost. So right around the turn of the 20, 21st, 22nd century... Um, things started getting kind of crazy. Basically, people started manifesting um, what are called deviations in universe. And some are positive, some are negative, some are incredibly destructive, others are very helpful or minimalistic. Uh, but it didn't just happen to people. These, these deviations also began to manifest in the wildlife and, um, and the, the sort of the flora and the fauna, which basically very quickly turned uh, the normal human thriving environment into a very hostile planet very yeah. quickly. And um, there are some deviations that manifested in people that went like cataclysmic, and we see like the wiping of countries basically off the face of the planet. Just things go to, to anarchy very quickly. It's like Mad Max outside of the city. Yeah, Mad Max outside of the city. At some point, I'm sure we'll do a one shot at seeing and exploring what's out there. But out of that comes um, the gem cities, which are basically golden cities or golden worlds um, kind of around the globe that are managed by, like, what is left of the world government and then um, policed by DRT, which is Deviant Response Team. Um, and the idea behind the gym cities is that they're supposed to be as close to a utopia as you can get for having deviants and non-deviants living in the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're a deviant, you can live in a gym city. If you're a non-deviant, you can. Uh, like, food, water, rent, all of that stuff is mostly paid for. Like, there's always going to be an option. You don't really have to... Um, struggle to survive. Um, yeah. So it's, it, it is, but it isn't. And the 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 take that I wanted to put on it was that there's there's the idea that we could get there, but it's not going to be executed that way because nothing is yeah. ever really that good. Um, and it's the same concept with cyberpunk, right? Like we imagine ourselves in 2077 and 2099 having technology that I mean, even today, there's enough wealth circulating in the global economy that if we wanted to end world hunger, we could. It would take like a handful of the few billionaires that live in the United States to fix that yeah. problem, um, right? So the idea is that from the altruistic perspective, the further we get in the future and the better our tech gets, 
the better the world becomes and like the cooler the cities can be. Yeah. And then it just, in true cyberpunk style, it doesn't fucking end up that way. No. Um, not at all. You Why still, would it? There's you still s- people. Yep, there's still a class system, yeah, spoken, unspoken. DRT is corrupt to an extent, um, very authoritarian. The cops basically are hands off anything that is deviant related, which is yeah. the majority of the problems that occur in cities like this. Um, so this one takes place in Sapphire City, which is one of the first cities around the one of the first gem cities around the world that essentially says vigilanteism is okay which then comes the the term superhero that becomes coined and then of course the opposite being supervillains um and so then you have this kind of like human artificially created system where you now have superheroes and supervillains which are essentially deviants that fall on either side of sort of the moral line uh and more or less they're defined that way based on how drt views them so if drt considers you a villain or a vigilante that's what you are uh, if they consider you a villain, that's also like a hero. That's also what you are. And the reason why the team thing in this universe is so different is that teams, uh, because being a superhero is very recent and just new to the game, being legal, uh, there aren't that many teams to speak of because yeah. you're not gonna like put yourself and six other people on live television if it's illegal. It's gonna be a lot easier to survive as individuals. Um, and so we have one major group in the city before that called the Millennial Group. Um, is the only really successful superhero team. And so then we pick up at the beginning of the campaign where we have all of these sort of uh, new heroes or new-ish heroes, new to the team thing, come together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the setting for the world. Uh, on the opposite end of, like, biological deviations, there are also magical deviations, people unlocking, like, ancient magics that have existed in the world. Um, and the Doctor then, Stranges. Yeah, yeah, like the Doctor Stranges, the Wandas, the... Um, Oh, uh, what the fuck, Zatanna, like, yeah. uh, and then you also have people that are like Iron Man because you have technology of the of 2077, 2099, where you can make suits like that. Yeah. You um, also have your Batman's. You have people. Yep, you have Batman's that are just hands. trainers. One of the one of uh, one of the hands. roles in the the creation that we'll go over is literally just you train. Yeah, you're a guy or a girl that trains. You're a you're an it. You're a thing, and you trained. Yeah, and you trained really well, and you focus on martial arts. And um, you're competing with super-powered beings. It is just as ridiculous in this, in concept, as it is Batman competing with anybody. It's there's also aliens in this that we've not. Yeah, that I won't. I won't touched. touch. <laughs> I'm leaving that. Um, there's also canonically aliens that come down during this. Um, Which is crazy. To so me. Like... during it's called like the rise. So during the rise, uh, which is when deviations start popping up in the source book, it says that aliens begin to visit some more altruistic than others, basically acknowledging that the people of Earth have uh, gotten to a point where they can be acknowledged in like a galactic, I don't know, yeah. stage. Um, I haven't touched that. I don't plan on touching that for like a hot minute because okay it's enough that. managing people to people relations and androids, and people with deviations, and, like, animals that have become people. Why would I throw aliens into the mix, too? Like, yeah. I just, I'm not, I'm not really there yet. Um, public opinion is also huge in this. It's not a system that I've worked out finitely yet, because they don't fucking have one. Um, I, I'm going to talk about some of that when we start talking about the campaign. Not the source book. Uh, us no, as a party. They, yeah, them as a party. They don't really have public opinion yet. But Some of us have... More strong. Everyone has an individual one, but as a group, you all don't really have one because you're not established. The individual public opinions are very strong. 
very strong. And basically what that looks like is from a role play perspective, some people are going to be more or less willing to work with you based on what your public opinion is in the world. Yeah. Um, and the same thing I think happens in any other fantasy based campaign too. This just puts a more formal system to it. Yeah. Because it's a world where social media does exist. Yeah. Social, social media is still media a, a big very big thing. That's the majority of how superheroes and even supervillains promote themselves to the public is through social media. Um, because like in true regular fashion, news networks very quickly fall out in the future and it all becomes social media based and social yeah. media driven. So that's how people promote themselves. Yeah. hundred um, percent. That's so, one of my favorite aspects of this world. I just have to kind of shout that out. I think it's such a cool way of like, uh, making it feel real of like mm -hmm. during your downtime, you're like, cool, I'm going to check what my, like, what my Instagram followers are up to or like what people maybe maybe somebody saw me actually break into that building and break that guy's leg i'm gonna <laughs> see if that has affected my like general public status and like if i'm a criminal or not yep and then also to have like i and we've started to kind of like roll that in in our last session um of like mm. being like hey what's the perspective why are you associating yourself with the people that you are associating yourself with mm. and then other it people in that, that world asking those questions like yeah. why are you associated on any, like in any form or fashion with a person that like the general public considers to be more or less a villain. Yeah. An anti-hero to an extent, but like the level of harm that they bring and the lack of cooperation with like the general police and public makes them labeled a villain. Which I think is just really cool from a like role play standpoint mm -hmm. to ask yourself those questions in game because it was something where I didn't even think about, I like, I didn't think about why my character was associating with certain different characters mm. uh, because, yeah, there are other, like, people at the table. That's why she's associating with yeah, them. It's the whole reason to have like... a character in this world be like, hey, this person fundamentally goes against your morals. Yeah, why are you working with them? Why are you hanging out with them? What's up, man? Why are you putting your name on that? That's, and that's... not good for you. And then being like, oh, I should probably talk to that person and get them to stop Breaking people's legs mm -hmm. unprompted. Or even just having conversations as players and as characters becomes really fun, too, because then it's not just, oh, we're all working together because it's fun to be superheroes. You know, it's like, I'm working with you because I want to mentor you. I'm working with you because we ended up on the same case by coincidence, and now I feel like maybe this is an opportunity to collaborate or to become a team. Like, it starts to become very, your party being a party starts to very quickly become grounded in, like, real legitimate reasons instead of just, like, we showed up at the same time at the same place. Yeah. Which is, in fact, how the party came together in the first session was the right time and the right place. Yeah. Uh, but they still have not managed to really be a party. <laughs> it's just a fun challenge uh, when you have so many different people and so many different heroes that are all very dynamic. Yeah. Um, but dynamic to such an extent that none of them really have solid reasons to want to hang out with each other. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think that's going to create some really interesting dynamic with that public opinion thing because some mm -hmm. characters care more about public opinion than others. My character personally cares yeah. a lot about public opinion. And yeah. last session had a character with a really great public opinion be like, hey, what are you doing, man? Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah, no, 100%. You could be doing a lot better and you're choosing to do this? Mm -hmm. That's a choice. So going ahead and going through character creation before we start talking about like the campaign itself. Yes. So I'm just literally going to go down the line, and then Madison, if you just want to talk about the, what the process was. Yeah, if you just want to pull up yours, and we can uh, sort of walk I through have yours. Printed, but that's my girl that I play. So the first step out of nine uh, ah. is choosing an alter ego. So those are backgrounds in traditional uh in traditional fifth edition um in D D. I think even in Pathfinder 2 they have a similar system with mm -hmm. backgrounds um where it kind of it gives you small bonuses and like it's it's more for a role play thing like 
Yeah. The urchin background in fifth edition gives you something like advantage on checks with like merchants or allows you to be thrifty in certain yeah. scenarios. If you pick soldier, um, it basically means that you have like repertoire with whatever the standing military and the area that you're in is. Um, you can always find like a base to stay at or an armory to have access to yeah. that kind of stuff. Like your if you're background an entertainer, is. You can always like find a spot to play in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a tavern to play. Yeah, so and backgrounds get... are, are more for flavor than anything. Um, but in this, they're also kind of for flavor. They're just, uh, they're a lot fewer. I've got benefits from it. Um, and they, they do come with benefits 100%. So I'm just going to speed run some of the ones in here really quick. So there's Average Joe, where basically you're just a fucking guy. You're a dude. You're a man. You're a dude. You work a 9 to 5 at a 7-Eleven. Like, you're just, you're you're doing what you can. Um, and then your proficiencies and your skills are based around basically being able to blend in with the everyman. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with anybody... Whoever, however, uh, normal people will like shelter you as long as it doesn't put them in danger. Because like you're just a guy, like you're one of the you're one of the people. You're just a little dude. It's definitely the most boring out of all the ones on here, yeah. but you know, to each their own. Um, the next one is businessman, which is exactly what it sounds like. You are a businessman. You got to read some of the bonuses for these because they're goofy. Oh yeah, uh, the bonus for average Joe is what I called features common citizen you just have one of those faces since you're average and fit in perfectly with every other non-gifted person you're easily trusted you can easily find a place to rest and recuperate among citizens unless you've shown yourself to be a threat yada 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 so for a businessman their feature is let's make a deal one of the largest benefits of being a businessman is understanding the process of businesses and how to work it in in a subtle way to get what you need Wherever you're in a place of business, such as a store, manufacturing plant, office, or similar, you can easily convince any lower-level worker to allow you to set up a meeting with someone in charge of running the business. Um, The other ones include criminal, doctor, doomsday prepper. Doomsday prepper is crazy. Yeah. I just got to put that out there. It's a curveball. It's a curveball. Lawyer. Reporter, which is this is Daisy, she'll yeah. talk about in a minute. Um, mechanic, and I think that might be the last one. And scientist, oh, and spy. Um, like, yeah, it's just kind of they're very general, so it's basically just picking what your day to day profession is outside of being a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we have a scientist in our party, we have a doctor, we have um, an android mechanic. who doesn't really have a background, but whose background yeah. is based in his origin. Yeah. Uh, we have a reporter. Well, a reporter. I'll talk about. We have that a DoorDasher. Um, so I came into this with the concept of basically what is a world of which like a young like a college student wants to be a superhero, but like being a superhero is expensive. You've got to be able to get gear and all these things. Incredibly so. And you're also trying to balance like balance college classes on top of that so like mm-hmm. you start doing like fucking DoorDash in your superhero costume because you can get through the city faster yep um or you can like i just wanted to play a college kid and that was her alter ego just a college um, student so we ended up landing on reporter as that and just kind of reskinning it um so it's kind of a custom one uh, but yep. we keep most of the features the same if you want to go ahead and read the features out and all of the bonuses that come with it as an example for the listeners yep so for a reporter your feature is notable contact which you still have not really used uh, you have a short list to. of reliable and trustworthy contacts who act as your network liaisons you know how to get messages to and from your contacts and for a fee you can find out a piece of information or to where be somebody's fair, I know the most NPCs so you do know the most NPCs for sure and you also have the most like world knowledge when it comes to like people oh, yeah. and all that fun stuff you just haven't had to use it yeah 
So some of them are more useful than others. Like the notable contact thing is nice, but uh, the other one is like nearby garage for mechanic, which is you can find a garage wherever you are. You can disassemble any equipment you find and then put it back together. Um, like the difference in nearby garage versus notable contact is kind of fucking notable wild. contacts. Like I can send an email to someone and. Fucking Doomsday Prepper is broken. So the feature yeah. is called Jerry Rig. You essentially get to, you know exactly how to make any tool for any particular job once, at least once. Yeah. So if you're like, I gotta kill Superman, you can figure out how to make that kryptonite bullet. How to at least make the gun that'll fire the bullet, and maybe even how to make the bullet casing itself. It doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna know where to get fucking kryptonite. Yeah. That's something a scientist can figure out because they're like research and knowledge based, but like. The difference between fucking being able to make any gadget for any occasion and then being able to send an email to somebody is very different. Yeah. Well, aren't there other things like you get a bonus to... Yeah, you also have bonuses to other things like skill proficiencies, languages, equipment. Oh, that's boring. Yeah. Like, it's not... Again, the the background is more to just give you an idea of what you do in your day-to-day. Yeah. Um, So then after you pick your background, you do... Or your alter ego, I should say... Uh, you move on to origin, and origin is basically how your deviations, how your powers manifest. So this is like your race. Yeah, this is, it's it's kind of like your race, and then also a little bit of your class as well. Yeah. Class, so the way that they've done it in here, after origin, you pick role. And mm-hmm. role in origin is basically uh, a mix of race and class. Yeah. And they, they kind of cross over in different ways. Um, so again, just to kind of shotgun the ones that we have in here. So for origins, we have, uh, Android, Beast Man, Experiment, Freak Accident, Genius, Inherited, Inhuman, which is our alien, uh, Mutant, just think X-Men, uh, Training, Batman, Undead, totally fucking wild category to have in here. Uh, and that's it for our, for our origins. Yeah. So for example, um, Daisy is a freak accident. Um, she, the specific freak accident is basically like you're a nor you were a normal person and something happened to you mm-hmm. and now you're not normal. And this can yep. manifest a lot of the time in like fucked up. Think like and... flash in the lab when the lightning hits and all the chemicals go boom and now he's got super speed. Or Jamie Foxx falling into a pit of electric eels. <sighs> um, yeah. Yeah, or Spider-Man being bit by the spider. Yeah. Like, that's what freak accident is uh, in this world. Daisy specifically was getting hit by a fucking stray uh, bit of magic during stray a bit fight of magic. that she was watching because uh, she was a big superhero fangirl. Mm-hmm. It was like, I'm going to get so close to this fight. And then she got fucking blasted. She's a super fan. And now blasted. she's a superhero. Blasted. Um, Started so blasting. Since- Talk about freak accident. So they they have traits. Uh, this is where the kind of race stuff comes in. But it, the way I, the reason I think it's a little bit class too is because um, it it really plays into the representation of how your powers come out. Um, so yeah, we kind of explain what freak accident is. So you get an ability score increase. I'm not going to read all these off verbatim because uh, pay for the source book. Um, but like it determines what your size is, what your speed paper, is, the source book, like we're like what your language is, uh, your innate skills, and then I'll read this one. Um, everyone has like a unique feature. So for freak accident, it's innate power. You get to choose a first level superpower. You can activate it whenever you want to, uh, and it doesn't cost um, a slot. So that's so similar nice. to 
like a lot of a lot of the wizards and magic casting classes say, where you it's get free similar stuff. to like warlock uh or not warlock jesus christ tiefling like bloodline of whatever it's like mm. you get certain free spells a day yep and then to just to talk about uh kind of how different they can be so then you have android where the concept is basically in a cyberpunk world, we definitely have some sort of robot, some things, whether they're like in-home service bots or um, like trash bots or murder bots, battle bots. Like there are robots in some way, shape, and form, and so a player can choose to play as one of those bots. We have one of those in our party. I knew we would end up with one. Uh, there, Warforged, We're anybody a table full of men. Anybody that's familiar with 5th edition Someone's and how broken the, the races are, go back and listen to our race episode. We've had a Warforged, robot at every table that we've had. Yep, Warforged are the, in my opinion, single most broken race in all of 5th edition. Prove me wrong, you fucking can't. They don't need to eat, breathe, sleep. Um, they don't have to really long rest ever unless you just want to get your spell slots back. They don't incur points of exhaustion. They can't be poisoned. They can't be affected by most status effects. They're immune to a laundry list of things. Um, and they're just as broken in this setting, come to find out. Yeah, um, it's crazy. I would love to play to, like a Warforged spellcaster. You get to pick. Um, so one of their unique things is that you have technological integration, which basically gives you proficiency in a new check that is... Um, a new ability score, not a new ability score, Jesus Christ, a new skill that they put in uh, here in lieu of a religion check, which is technology. Yes. Um, and technology checks are fucking rampant at the table because when you're playing in a city full of incredibly advanced technology and you're interacting with social media, tech is a very big focus. There's not a single person at my table in this party that is not at least a little proficient in some way with technology with the exception yeah. of, I think, one person who's an old man. Um <laughs> So, and he's not even that old. He's just older than everybody else in the party. He's a little old. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just going to read some of the things here. You have advantage on saving throws against being poisoned, immune to disease. Don't need to eat, drink, or breathe. Uh, you don't need to sleep. You can do six hours, and that's it. You have integrated armor, which gives you a plus one uh, bonus to your armor class off rip. And uh, your technology checks, any proficiency you have is double. That's... Because you're a robot. You know? You're just walking tech. Uh, Beast Man, yeah, they're what I've called them anti-powered or anti-deviants, which is basically just slang for animal-powered. Um, the, the way that I interpret the lore in the source book is that animals can become more human, and then that can be a player or an NPC, um, or people and the humans themselves, their deviation can manifest in the form of animal-like traits. So it can go either way. Um, and it's kind of hard determining... Which Man, one it is? Batman. Correct. Kind of shit there. Uh, but they're fully intelligent either way. Yeah. Um, and so that's it. You basically, uh, for this one, you get to pick like natural armor. You you pick your bestial origin. So there are three options on here. Natural armor, feline agility, keen senses. I'm not going to read the description verbatim. You can kind of parse out what those are supposed to yeah. be. Uh, you get like additional critical attack dice with brutal melee, with melee attacks. It's fun. You get to play like an animal creature. Uh, is there any other one that I want to highlight before I move on to the next one? Genius. I'm not going to tell you what that does. Use You're some a genius. Critical thinking skills here. It's exactly what you think it is. Your intelligence is buffed by a fucking lot. You're incredibly smart. Inherited is one of the more magical or one of the more magical origins on here, which is Thor. The image that they included is basically Diet Thor. 
Um, the beef I have with inherited. Your two people at our crazy. table have inherited. Is, I know. I'm aware. So That's inherited has one of the most from. broken features of any origin on here. shit. So whenever you roll a one on a d20 for an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw, you can re-roll that die and use the new roll. You want to know what's funny? There is nothing in the description on here that says that you can only use it up to a certain amount of times per day. So this isn't like a lucky point. This isn't forcing somebody to re-roll, right? This isn't like none of that. This just means that you physically Can cannot never. roll natural ones. Never. Unless unless you roll another natural one on your second roll because you do have to keep the, the second roll. Yeah. Um, fucking insane. Absolutely bonkers. I will um, say one of the people who took that he took it simply because he knows that he has the worst rolls out of yeah. anyone at our table and rolls so many nat ones that he was like, I'm going to get ahead of the curve here. Do we have three people at our table? that No, we have two. No, just two. I was thinking of the wrong person. We have two people that inherited, but it's basically Thor, so your powers are bestowed to you uh, by a, a deity or a force of nature or whatever, whatever the fuck. That's your power. So that's kind of where it, it, it deviates. Uh, a little bit instead of just oh, being pun. purely technology based or purely animal based, it's also like a little bit of magic. Inhuman, you're an alien. I'm not going to explain that. Uh, mutant, X Men, you're basically one of the prettier deviants. Your powers manifest in a very like traditionalist way. Uh, you get to choose an at will power, which are basically cantrips. Yeah. I'm not going to read it. Training, you're Batman or Iron Fist. Take your pick. Undead. I still don't understand why this is a fucking origin, but it is. Basically, you died and came back to life. Jason Todd. Yep, died and came back to life. Lazarus Pit. You have dark vision. Um, you can also take yourself to one hit point from the very beginning of the game instead of going to zero. You have advantage on all death saving throws, poison, disease, don't need to eat, drink, or breathe. So reborn. Uh, yes, reborn. Don't need to sleep. Um, all that fun bullshit. So yeah, that's... The base setup. I'm gonna skip some of what it has in here and go to rolls because, dear God, this hero advancement table is fucking insane. Yeah. So now we have rolls. The, the advancement table, real quick, also kind of works more like warlock. Like you get your yeah. powers from, um, like you only get so many, and they all are always gonna be at a certain level. Like you don't get to have like a first and a second. It's so these all are of them are available. It's the warlock slots. table. Spell slots. Well, the advancement table itself is a little bit different, but what she's referring to is that instead of... Um, oh, I got ahead of what you did. You got a little bit ahead. So the Sorry. way that the mechanics work is that every person, every PC, is a magic user. There is no purely martial or purely magic. Everybody has access to all spells all of the time, um, which makes it kind of more fun, in my opinion, from a roleplay standpoint, because it means whatever power you take, there's a little bit more liberty in getting to like rebrand it and make it yours. It's the same the other way around. If you're like a like a fucking Doctor Strange, you can also throw fucking hands. Yeah, you can pick like, like an ability to pick up a fucking uh, heavy object in your environment and then get like proficiency with it and deal double damage. Like yeah. you can fully customize your character to whatever extent you want to, but. Uh, because of that, it works more like Warlock, which is what Madison was getting at. You only know a certain amount of powers. Those power slots, so the, the spell slot level levels up with you as you move. And then you have your at-will powers, which are basically cantrips to balance out the fact that you have fuck-all power slots. Uh, for reference, anybody that's familiar with the system, at the 10th level, you only have three power slots. Yeah. 
A whopping three. Unless... Unless uh, you take a class or a role or a feature that allows you to have 76, which is what Madison did. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of how the power system works. We'll talk a little bit more once we get to the part where it tells you to pick powers, but it's it's a different system. Roles. This is your class, um, and it's class in a very loose way. So the way that they explain it in the source book, which I really appreciate, is that um, roles are very flexible, so you can have a telepath based or a, like a telekinetic based brute or you can have a uh, martial based element controller like um, it's very open they're not quite as shoehorned it's basically what role are you going to take in combat um, so it's giving you like a more tropey kind of like kicks on bikes kind of deal where like what is going to be your position when you are fighting as a team or in the world that you're doing yeah um, so there's brute which is basically just all of their benefits, you get um, higher constitution, you get uh, better health, your power ability modifiers are con or wisdom, your proficiencies are basically bucking everything, your saving throws are kick-ass, um, and then you get a bunch of fun bonuses to strength and doing unarmed strikes. Um, another mechanic that's introduced in this is called stamina dice. Uh, it's kind of like hit. hit it's kind of like hit dice, but they're more you widely can do more used. With them. You can use them to basically do anything. You yeah. can spend, and I came up with a couple of new ones to add. You can spend half of them to bring yourself to uh, one hit point instead of zero, um, and until you can't half it anymore. Yeah. Uh, you can also spend them to regain power slots, which that's the one that I'm pretty sure I came up with because, you know, it's a little fucking silly that you only have three at level ten. And I mean, the at-wills are insane. Some of the at-wills are fucking nuts, though. Um, but with that being said, the way that I like to use stamina dice in that sense is that essentially you can force yourself to go beyond in a very intense moment um, as like a bonus action and uh, roll so many stamina dice and then get X amount of power slots back. The more times you roll to do that, the more consequential it is because the idea is that you're pushing your body harder and harder to regain those power slots. So the more times you do it in a given day, the higher chance you have of gaining points of exhaustion. Um, so if you're on like your third time going beyond, mm -hmm. you have a significantly higher chance of incurring three points of exhaustion um, as opposed to doing it the first time where the check is like five or six. Yeah. Anyways, that's stamina dice. So rolls also determine how big your dice are. So for Brute, they get a D12. So uh, if you're rolling, like if you, if you have... Uh, you bring yourself back to life from zero to one and you take half of like 60, 12, that's going to be significantly higher than somebody whose stamina dice is like a D6. A six. a six. Right, because you add that much health equal to the amount of dice that you rolled. So anyways, that's kind of fun. Uh, there's a very long list. I'm just going to kind of hold it up and hopefully be able to plug it. I don't want to like straight up show you the PDF because again, you do have to pay for it, but and you get class features basically. So Deadly Debris... Third level, you can pick up any nearby debris and use it as a ranged weapon and do a shit ton of damage. Um, fucking crazy to me. Indomitable, level 10, you can reroll any saving fail, uh, any saving throw that you fail. Uh, you can use that more what and more as fuck? you level up. Yep. Um, it's basically Indomitable Will, ultimate defense. Uh, you have resistance to all damage except psychic damage, which is fucking bonkers at That's level. Crazy. That's a third, third, third level. A third level. Third, third level. Third level. That's not even like while raging. That's just always. Uh, I think it's something you might have to activate. I haven't read all of this super all the way through because nobody chose brute. But anyways, yeah. that's an example. So our other ones are crime fighter, um, 
where it's very. Sorry, I was playing with the bracelet. Like, what the fuck was that? Sorry, I'm so. I was boozled. It's almost two in the morning. Yeah. Um, it's a crime fighter. I'm a sleepy. Yeah, it's anybody that just kind of fights with traditional techie weapons, like think Nightwing, Batman, Robin, those kind of fuckers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, you could be totally telekinetic and also be crime fighter, which yeah. is which is cool. Um, some of their role features are basically being proficient with a lot of different kinds of weapons. Their stamina dice are D10s instead. They start off with more weapons in their equipment, and then you basically choose like a martial fighting style, which is very much based on fighter from 5th edition. I'm not going to read the rest of them. Uh, you also get, well, yeah. One of the fucking features is wild, by the way. At 10th level, you get a feature called Psychological Warfare, where basically yeah. you can force somebody. It's nutty. Yeah, um... You choose somebody in your vicinity that you can see and then uh, fuck them mentally with your words. If they fail, they're frightened of you and you can just keep doing this. It's just a feature. I mean, once they roll out of it, it works like regular fear where they can't be feared by you again, but um, yeah, fucking nuts. I love it's just, the idea in my head of the way that works is just Batman, where is she, over and over. Yep. Um, Element controller. Thank Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. All of their things revolve around picking an element storm. to focus it's on. Storm. It's very similar to Storm. Well, you can be Storm. You can also be fucking Iroh from Avatar. You could be Aang. Yeah. Um, any of your traditional element controly things, you can do lightning, all that fun shit. Um, you get control points, so you can spend those to basically sorcery do different points. things. Sorcery, sorcery points. points. You can use them to do different things with your powers, like extend the reach or only choose one creature in a room instead of ten to hit. That kind of deal. Um, yep. And then we have Exosuit, Iron Man. We also had a robot take Exosuit, so that was fun <laughs> to try and figure out how that was going to happen. Um, basically, whenever you have your suit on, you get a shit ton of bonuses. Um, enhanced strength by by nature. You also get like built-in med shots, uh, all sorts of fun bullshit. At the 20th level, you basically go berserk and uh, become damn near unkillable and get a whole extra action for, I think, a full minute. Oh, and any time you roll an attack, you roll an additional d6 on everything. It's nuts! Uh, Gadgeteer, thank Artificer. I'm not going to read the rest <laughs> of it. It's exactly what it is. Uh, hard cut to next! Jumper, which we have a jumper, which is really cool. It's all about teleporting. This is one of the more unique roles that they have in here, slash classes. It's basically um, any time. One of their features like is... Nightcrawler. Yeah, like Nightcrawler. Think exactly Nightcrawler. So one of their I features is that... I a huge crush on Nightcrawler. That's just a lot of people did. Note. A lot of people did. Uh, it was from the Superhero Squad fighting video game and series, which was a children's What uh, a cartoon. fucking D cut man holy shit that theme song went so fucking hard so one of the really cool features of jumper is surprise teleport which is basically if you teleport before you attack an enemy you have advantage because they're surprised like a rogue yeah like a rogue it's very like bits and pieces from different it is they combine a lot of different things 14th level you get mass teleportation it's the exact same thing in fifth edition mass teleportation mass teleportation Bad things can happen. Uh, and then Void Slip, which is nuts. Uh, you basically get to do mass teleportation whenever you want to. Yeah. It's also at the 20th level, so, I mean, do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. And then Madison's thing, uh, I... which is Mystic. Yeah, so I took this. So Magic. in the book, it's like Doctor Strange or like yep. Wanda. It's like arcane arts. Um, I took a very different direction, and I went, what if uh, it's comic books instead? And Robert was like, Tell me more. Okay. 
okay. Explain. I'll bite. What do you uh, mean? And so her individual thing, which is kind of like a reskinning of Fun Mystic. fact, it's not comic books, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> there's an in-universe reason, and there's an actual basis for her powers. It's still magic, but it's not fucking comic books. I didn't let that happen. I... Okay, so there was definitely the direction we could have gone, which was very like Spider Hammy cartoon. Where it's like, I fucking the, like, hate the, that. The, like, I hate Spider Ham. I love Spider. He was great in Spider Verse. I just the the corny fucking like Gwynpool in between the white pages bullshit. You shut the fuck up about Gwynpool. I'm Gwynpool. just not a fan of the corny shit, man. Anyways, I am. Anyway, so uh, Mystic is magic. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll so she ends up mimicking. She's able to mimic powers that she reads about in her comic books in the way that a wizard would be able to like read about a spell in a spell book mm-hmm. and do it. She's Where you can like prepare thirty six different spells. Yeah, and that's what she does. Except. It's with other people's powers because yep. super like comic books exist in this world about these superheroes. Um, if you want to go ahead and read, so instead of books. like studying a spell for reference, it yeah. would be like her picking up a comic book and then reading it and like really analyzing and looking at how they do their powers and then being able to replicate th- her own version of it. Yeah, which is a, a really really unique and original take on what this could have been. Thank you. Um, some of the it's a wizard, by the way, it's. Wizard. Yeah, it's it's wizard. It's a hundred percent wizard. The the features. You don't really have a lot of features now that I I'm don't. looking at. It. I don't have. You a get lot. a familiar at third level, which she yeah. absolutely didn't want. We uh, had you to get do like a full force armor at we... first level. Uh, That's your nice. at will powers are significantly stronger at sixth level, which is. I will nice. say this about this class feature: it gives you force armor. You can take armor, armor, or you can take uh fucking Pure powers wounds. from other people. Oh yeah, that too. There's a whole bunch of shit that comes with this. Uh, but you can. It also gives you cure wounds, and then something else. Cure um, wounds and we're free. You get to use them cure up wounds, to force your armor shield powers. bonus amount of times a day. So it's really nice in that it gives you the the things that you need to take to be a like decent. Um, fighter, so you can become the support for your party, and then mm. also choose whatever you want to do for fun, which is really nice about that class. You can be a wizard. Also, fun fact about the familiar: um, Robert and I got into a full scream fight over the familiar, because I hate familiars. I don't see a purpose. I also don't connect with animals in real life. Like I don't get like I don't get me wrong. I don't like the. Purpose, I understand that people <laughs> the, love animals. The purpose, just... objectively and mechanically, is that you, in theory, can get advantage on an infinitely higher number of roles than anybody else in your party because all you have to do but depending what? depending what on when they depending, get hit once and they fucking die depending on how your DM rolls your conjure or your familiar if you have them go on the same turn as you you can just have them run up to you give you the help action bada bing bada boom you have fucking advantage i uh, what happens and you can when have they get your hit? familiar do that every My single my cat has two turn. hit points robert so that's why you then have to move the cat around like it's another little mini player that you get to control but that also gets to take actions like i don't understand what i where's the disconnect i don't you like you get a whole nother person it's can, not a person it's a cat but it can take actions like i don't it's in this book, which we are, I I don't know what's happening with it. It can't attack. What do you mean it can't attack? It yes, says it can. in the fucking book, it cannot attack. Bullshit. I promise you it you does. You can, okay. Uh, it, Read it, it out loud. It acts independently of you, obeys uh, your thing. It, in combat, it rolls its own initiative. Uh, it says it can't attack, but it can take it. Which I think is dumb. I'm overruling that. It's my world. That's stupid. Anyways. Um, we got it, like, I'm telling you, I you was- can. Communicate with your familiar telepathically, which is dope. You can see through their eyes. Uh, as an action, you can dismiss them and then resummon them. 
All sorts of fun stuff. I told Robert if he gave me a familiar that its sole purpose would to be another target on the battlefield. Basically a meat shield. She wanted a meat shield. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I do have a cat. I like my cat. <laughs> she um, loves the cat, actually. I do love the cat. I just don't understand his mechanical bonus. I do understand that I like having a little guy. His mechanical bonus is advantage. I don't know how else to tell you that. Okay, scenario. You're fighting the big bad. It's like if you hit this, it's a guaranteed win, or at least it's going to be significantly better for you and your party. You got your little familiar. He's been playing support, doing object interaction, whatever. In this moment, maybe we're going to sacrifice the cat. We're going to call it help action, where the cat's going to physically distract your villain in whatever way you see fit. That doesn't mean we're actually putting them in harm's way. You now have advantage on whatever it is you're going to do. I want you as to opposed explain. to rolling. Cool, I get regularly on one thing before my cat with an AC of four in two hit points. Well, gets let's killed. think about this. If you deal, you are 40, the type of DM to kill a cat. If you deal forty damage to the villain and the cat didn't even hurt them, who do you think the villain's going for? The cat. No, I know you. Try again. I feel like you're try gonna again. Go for the cat. Try again. Who's he gonna hit? Try again. Cat. Wrong. Cat. Wrong. Cat. Wrong. No! You're wrong. You know that I... I love to play strategically in combat. I'm going after the person that's doing the most damage. I also think you'll go after what's going to do the most emotional damage. At the very end of the fucking fight, like, I'm going to leave them alive. If you can't tell, my players have a lot of paranoia about the way that I like to play combat, which is very ruthless because I think it's stupid for villains that have spent the whole goddamn campaign learning about their players to then fuck off and make dumb actions. I also recognize I have a lot of, like... Trust issues? With you. Right. I've been better this campaign, though. You have. Significantly. Significantly. I let somebody live when they died three times in the span of two rounds. I know. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm happy. Uh-huh. Okay, it's been going good this campaign, but I still have... I'm getting over my trust issues. Anyways, with fucking him, next. And I have poisoned the rest next. of our table and uh, encouraged them You're a psychic. You can read me. people's minds. You have telepathic push, mental barrier. You can understand people. Whatever. I don't care. Shapeshifter. <laughs> uh, you're a shapeshifter, dog. You shapeshift. You shapeshift. You get like it's druid. It's druid. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. It's druid. Uh, speedster. This is a unique one. It's very much like rogue, but significantly cooler. Basically, but the way that this one works is really neat. I think it's some monk features. The more movement you take in a turn, the more damage you get to do. Oh, that's sick. Your movement speed. I went through here. In theory, by the time you hit level twenty, your movement speed as the speedster can be up to five hundred feet a turn. And the more the more distance you cover in a turn, the more damage dice you get to add to your your final damage. So it's the whole thing where you like run around the fucking like city. It's and like you... the injustice ultimate with the flash, where like yeah, yeah. which is sick. Are you kidding me? It's all right. That's fucking sick, man. It's all right. Anyways, a lot of the powers for that is uh, increasing your movement speed, doing more damage. You get bonus on dexterity checks, uh, all that fun stuff. One of your ultimate abilities is basically being able to create a fucking hurricane that does a lot oh, of damage. Side note, ultimate feature, the 20th level feature for Mystic is Counterspell. Because Counterspell doesn't exist in any other way, shape, or form in this universe. And we've went over this. That makes sense mechanically because how the fuck is a 5th level player countering anything in this universe when one of those abilities could be rockets? Riddle me that. <laughs> you can't. You cannot. 
So we've locked it behind the 20th level because I'll be damned if you're going to stop one of my three powers that I get to use as a villain. Just go fuck, you. fuck you. Exactly. Eat shit. I think that it should come a little bit sooner than 20th level. And maybe we'll, we'll talk about that at a later date. Um, so now that we've Can picked... I make a case for that? Maybe. Now that we've picked an alter ego and an origin and a role, we would do ability scores. You know how to do that if you've watched the previous episodes yeah. in season one. If you haven't, fuck you, go listen to them. Okay, we're getting I also so love aggressive. you if you're listening. <laughs> there. Jesus. You happy? Um, and then you choose your powers and your skills and all that fun stuff. Can I I'm talk not... about my favorite powers? Yeah, you can talk about some of your favorite powers. I'll talk powers. about my favorite powers. Um, you also have equipment. Yeah. On that list of equipment is a Tesla cannon. Yeah, that's does, there. Uh, 10d10 lightning damage. Yeah. Uh, my girl also has guns. There's not she an decided... ammo count on that, by the way. No. Uh, you can just fire. Going real quick. So enhancements are kind of like features. Um, There's some fun ones. Uh, I'll just go through mine oh, yeah, so you don't have to read through all of them in the book. So enhancements are features. I'm just going to pick out mine. Uh, one's called precision, which is when you roll uh, attack damage. Every die you roll that's a one is treated as a two, um, which is pretty nice. It's really cool. Um, steadfast resolve. You're able to push yourself beyond your limit. Your limits for a moment, and you can use a bonus action to uh, increase your proficiency bonus by one for one minute. It's really cool. And when you have features that allow you to have spell slots equal to your proficiency bonus for free, crazy. That's so nice. Crazy. Because uh, that gives me, when we were at uh, <coughs> level 15, it gave me six free spells or six free powers when we were normally only supposed to have three powers, yep. um, which is crazy. Um, and then I also got. I, Agonizing Blast, which is really similar to Agonizing Blast from fucking Five mm -hmm. E. Again, is, some of them are verbatim the same yeah. thing. Some of them are uh, different. When you make a ranged power attack, add a D four to the damage. Um, then you also have At Wills, which are cantrips. Uh, my favorite is Kinetic Blast, which is basically Eldritch, Eldritch Blast. Blast. Yep, everyone's um, favorite cantrip. I'll say the really cool thing that this source book does is with their cantrips. And guess what? You can also level up fucking kinetic blast with the same bullshit features that you can with eldritch blast yeah it's great um but oh and everybody has access to it yeah anybody can i'm take the only kinetic one blast. who has it though right but in theory every, every every one player, of your players could have kinetic blast and fuck you if they're even if they're all different fucking roles and origins every single one of them bitches can have their own Batman version of kinetic eldritch blast, blast. mm-hmm yeah, Batman who That's can do so something. This is a world where you can also break your characters so easily, which is really fun because it makes you feel like a superhero. Yeah, that's why um, things get so crazy as they do because how are you going to feel like a superhero if like you, you aren't but, a superhero? Like if you aren't shit. Yeah. If you're Batman with no prep time because prep time doesn't exist in this universe. Yeah. Cool, you fight Superman, you're dead in two seconds. Yeah. You know? Unless we give you, I don't know, Kinetic Blast, which does like a shit ton of damage in one yeah. turn. I'm going to highlight another thing that I think is really cool. It takes uh, dumbass cantrips uh, from 5e that don't do anything and makes them do something. I'm going to use light as an example because my girl's named uh, uh, yeah. Nightlight. She glows. <laughs> uh, that's just like a fun little mechanical thing. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so the light cantrip is normal. Uh, it does the object no longer than 10 feet. Um, 20 foot radius, dim light, blah, blah, blah. Yep, yep. Um, and then at fifth level, um, you can release a burst of light between yourself and an attacking enemy. When you're attacked by a creature within 30 feet of you, you can use your reaction to flare bright light mm -hmm. um, to impose disadvantage. And then at 11th level, um, you can release that light to do that for any creature that you see that is attacking an ally within 30 feet of you. And then at 17th level, uh, when you use this power, they the target has to succeed on a constitution saving throw or be blinded until the end of its next turn. That is from the fucking light cantrip. Yep. 
that's crazy. Turns cantrips into things that are useful. It's super, super sick. Um, it's because weapons are also ninety nine percent of the things you can do in this game are cantrips. Are cantrips or sorry, at will powers. At will powers. Uh, weapons are also fun, um, just because you get access to like guns and shit in yeah, this world. Yeah, I'll go. I'll read some of the equipment off real quick, just so you all can kind of get that idea. So for armor, you have like Kevlar threaded armor, survival garb. Um, then we go up to medium Kevlar body armor, synthetic. Survival suit, tactical carbide uniform, battle suits, uh, fucking the Atom suit, which is basically uh, fuck you, eat shit. I don't yeah. get, to, I don't take damage. Um, or, yeah, melee weapons, batons, daggers, great clubs, hammers, uh, sickles, fucking spears, crossbows, pepper spray. I uh, have pepper spray and I love it. A pistol, a sling, a taser. By the way, I also have a taser. Let me read you. Let me read to you what taser does because on this lineup, it's fucking insane. Taser. Uh, on a hit, the target must succeed a DC 12 constitution saving throw or be restrained until the end of their next turn. Yeah, it's nuts. The taser is a weapon you can have off rip. A first level player can force another creature to make a DC 12 constitution saving throw. I don't know why I have not used my taser in game. I don't either, if I'm being honest. Because a fun fact about my character, who is a spellcasting character, has the most weapons out of any character in at our table, including the fucking battle android. So, again, riddle me this. Why would I use the mace that does 1d8 bludgeon- or 1d6 bludgeoning damage when I could use the taser, which does 1d4 lightning damage, and then also gives me advantage on them because they will be restrained? Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Tasers are tasers. Um, and then for our, like, gun guns, uh, these are called martial, martial weapons, uh, so our bigger melee weapons, some of them include a flail, battle axe, great sword, uh, a lot of traditional fantasy stuff, and then, like, laser daggers, laser blades, um, a Tesla blade, which is basically, like, a laser blade, uh, a Tesla glove, uh, warhammer, warpick, a whip, Tesla whip, that kind of yeah. fun stuff. They love putting Tesla in front of anything. <laughs> Uh, and then you have your bigger, That's how you like, make it techie, of course. Yeah, then you have your larger uh, martial ranged weapons. One of them is a <coughs> fucking chain gun, which is a mini gun. I cannot wait till somebody assault rifle. One. Well, what's funny to me is on this list we have chain gun, and then right above it is blow gun. <laughs> so we have chain gun, which does three d six piercing damage. And then you have, or sorry, 3d8 piercing damage. And then you have blowgun, which does one piercing damage. You want to know what the benefit of using a blowgun is? If you hit somebody with it and you're hidden, you're not revealed. But you can do one damage. There's not even poison that comes with that. Yeah, then there's a revolver, a shotgun, sniper rifle. I want you as a DM right now to explain to me a scenario in which a blowgun comes Okay, you have 50 ninjas, and they're all using blowguns. 50 ninjas? 50 ninjas. 50 ninjas in a warehouse, or 50 assassins in a warehouse. They ambush your group of five players, and a huge part of the issue is now going to be figuring out where 50 points of piercing damage is coming from. Congratulations, you've discovered two of them. What about the other 48? Blowgun is only going to be successful in a setting where you can either throw numbers at them or you DM some shenanigans about what's in the tip of your dart, like poison say, or a neurotoxin like, or something. Maybe if you do like a fucking kryptonite. Yeah, like in dart. the tip of this blowgun is, or the dart is poison. Take 3d6 poison damage, you know? That's. Yep, the, <laughs> literally the only other alternative is uh, in numbers. Like a goblin ambush, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or I guess you could like use it to like knock an object over, or like, <laughs> or, like hit a button. 
<laughs> no. Don't worry, guys. We're on this super <laughs> secret, like, we're sneaking into fucking DRT headquarters. We got to get that door open. Yeah. But there's a guard in the way. I got this. Then you Why have. You just take out my fucking straw. Uh huh. Just... <laughs> what is the range on that, actually? Tell me the range. Uh, okay, 100 feet. 25 to 100 I... feet. What? Whose breath? I would like. <laughs> 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 lungs <laughs> for reference the revolver caps out at 60 <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you could do a drive-by shooting with a blowgun that's <laughs> crazy you could successfully do a drive-by shooting with a blowgun and hit more <coughs> people <coughs> than a gun anyways another thing for equipment is tech and arcane items it's magical items they don't give me a huge list because they kind of encouraging you to make your own, which yeah. I tend to think I'm pretty good at. But energy shield, you equip it. It gives you AC based on the rarity. Element gun, you can fire an element. Um, fucking this one's wild. Deviant shackles uh, haven't been oh, used yeah. in the campaign yet. But let me just let me just tell you what they do. Uh, you and any creature you share the passcode with can use an action to uh, basically turn these shackles on and off. Uh, any creature from tiny to large can be used or can be bound. Um, you can also, it says that like you can make them magical or non-magical. The fun part is the checks that come with it. A successful D20, a DC20 hacker's tool check can open shackles, or a DC30 athletics check can break free. Those are the only two options it gives you. Um, yep. That's You crazy. can place them on any incapacitated creature, and then they're basically permanently incapacitated. The way I was Oh, and the opening line is these manacles suppress deviant powers. So if I slap a couple of shackles on somebody who I've knocked out with, let's say, a blow dart, uh, congratulations, you don't have access to powers. The way I would cut off my arms. <laughs> is that not fitting? <laughs> so the joke there is uh, um, we ended up going all down our own uh, flashpoint timeline, and uh, my character got her Activity arms ripped boots. off. Yeah. Shield drone, spy transmogrifier, robe of the wizard, robe of the lost magi. Hey, this Both is of the those thing, are fifth I, edition. I things. have to say this about the source book, and I kind of love it. Is sometimes when it's just plugging things in from five e, it keeps the language of like really magical things because the the a verbatim, the like spell, verbatim. I don't know what it, I don't know how to pronounce it, <coughs> but I'm gonna show you the word. Oh, augury? Yeah. So that is just ripped straight in. And it's, so it's like, cool, you use dragon bones to tell the future. And that you're using That's dragon bones to tell the this. future in this setting. Mm -hmm. And I. Who are we robbing in this setting to get dragon bones? I, dragons exist in this world. Canonically, mm -hmm. this implies that dragons exist. No, correct. Part of the description is that, like, the reason that people have access to magic when their deviations occur are like. Fucking manifest out of nowhere, which in the source book it also says you could be born with deviations or you could wake up as an 85-year-old and... Just have them. Now you, we can fucking launch nukes from your fingertips. Yeah. It's... Have fun with that. Um. Anyways. Imagine a toddler just with the power to do... Which is why in the source book it talks about how everything went to shit because there were a lot of people yeah. that very quickly realized that, like, I can, I can do, do anything. anything I want to, and there wasn't a damn group of people that could stop them. And so they said, let's suppress <coughs> this entire group of people. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much it as far as character creation goes. I mean, you have spells and powers, and um, 
Uh, you have your enhancements. I guess one thing. Oh, to... let me say my favorite power real quick. One I thing to get to do powers. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, pick a let favorite power real quick, power. and then we're gonna do signature powers, which is one of the cooler things in this book. Oh, I think you know what my favorite power is. Um, if I do, I would suggest you pick a different one, or I'm just gonna I'm gonna go straight to signature powers. Why not? Is this an at will power? No. Okay. Then what is it? It's the one I use all the concussion beam. Oh, I'm cool with concussion beam. I thought you were going to say kinetic blast and I was going to no, be really No, it's because I use concussion beam all the fucking time. So first of all, another great thing, uh, this is a power, this is a bonus action. So you get to also like do an action on top of this, mm-hmm. which is another really cool thing. So concussion beam um, has a range of 120 feet. You or a gadget releases a laser that streaks towards a creature of your choice. Ranged power attack on a hit, they take 46 damage, and the next attack roll made against this target before the end of your next turn has advantage, thanks to the subtle concussion left from the impact on the target. And then this raises with each. So currently we're playing um, at, I'm playing at level five, yep. so I am doing um, 66 plus 1d4 radiant damage. Um, at the fifth level is insane. At the fifth level, and I'm concussing people. A brain subtle damage. concussion. Brain damage. I love the phrase subtle concussion. I love that it's called concussion beam. That shit is so funny. Yep. But again, anybody of any class can take that. Yeah. Uh, also, anybody of any class can take fucking web shot, which yeah. is exactly what you think that is. Any any <laughs> class can take telekinetic push and pull. We had a fucking, in our one shot, which we'll talk about eventually. I mean, we kind of talked about it last time, yeah. but like we'll go in depth like a full uh, breakdown because that was just insanity. Such a good episode. Our robot Such a good session. <laughs> picked a power that allowed him to hop dimensions. He took blink. <laughs> the, it's called phasing in this, but he, it blinked. This is where Isaac DM should have looked over everyone's list and, and con- came like, up no? with some in-canon universe reasons on how that could happen. Because in the moment, the only thing I had to say was, damn, I guess DRT has come up with some pretty cool technology in this time jump. Yeah, because he was like... I mean, I, I guess you got to find well, a way to counter magic. What was, he said, I go into the ether, and we went, huh? what? And he said, sorry, the eth-, and he went, the ethereal. And we were like, the ethereal realm? Yep. You're a robot. You can take elongation as an android. <laughs> Makes sense. You could like, 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 <laughs> like robot extendo arms. Yep. You can take ground freeze as a fucking telekinetic. Tell me how that works. You can't, cause it doesn't. You make people think that the ground is frozen. Correct. That is exactly where I would take that. You know, it's like the fucking hypnotist thing where they do the shows, and it's like yeah. you can no longer move your arms in a certain direction, and they're like, "Holy shit, I can't." Yeah. Yeah, it's that bullshit. I have it so easy when it comes to like fitting my powers because I just go to Robert and I go, hey, who's a superhero in this world with this power? Cool, it's mine now. Yep, I just get to come up with new people all the time and go, this is who it's based off of. And so he then, loves that. Uh, beyond enhancements. You were having what? way too much fun with that bracelet. I'm. Beyond enhancements. Sorry. You have I I what are called <laughs> signature Jesus. powers. Uh, which are basically, so you have your cantrips. Oh, I talk about contingency. Your at-will powers. You have your spells, your powers, and then you have something entirely different, which is signature powers. So the way signature powers work is that they do not count towards your total powers known. They can only be used once per long rest, and they don't require any power slot to be used. Um, think of all of your basically, I want to say, fifth level spells and above are all your signature powers. And again, any class or any role, any origin can take any signature 
power. Um, I'm going to hit you with a couple, just so you can understand how absurd this concept is. In a minute. Uh, Big Bang. Signature power. Instantaneous. One action. You send cosmic negative energy coursing to any creature you can see, and then they have to make a con save. If they fail that, they take 8d8 plus 40 necrotic damage. Uh, If they're killed, they become fucking fungus. Anybody can take that. So then the next one on the list is Black Hole, and it is exactly (laughs) what you think it is. You create a black sphere of negative energy from your hand's weapon or gadget that ripples out in a 60-foot radius sphere. 60-foot radius. Think about how fucking big that is. Uh, From a point within any range you can see, which is 150 feet, each creature in that area makes a con-saving throw. If they fail, they take 12d6 necrotic damage. You can take that as a speedster. You can create black holes at the tip of your fingers because you run so goddamn fast. Multiple people at our table took black hole. I'm pretty sure almost everyone at our table had black hole as a signature power. Uh-huh. Which wasn't crazy. I'll let you get to contingency once I talk about a few more because, I mean, this is truly where the absurdness of this universe comes in. in Stupefying terms of sun. Uh, yeah. If you punch someone, uh, if they have 150 hit points or lower, stunned. Not 100. 150. 150 hit points or lower. <laughs> uh, fucking Globe of Invulnerability, which is... That's uh, the same. Nuts. It's uh, the same as 5e. Yeah, but anybody can take it. Yeah, Once that Once you hit 11th crazy. level, anybody can have that. Yeah. Basically, nobody can fucking hit you in a 10-foot sphere. Nobody at all. Doesn't matter what power they use. Black Hole can't do it. Big Bang can't do it. Stupefying Stun can't do it. You are fucking invulnerable in that yeah. 10-foot sphere. You can take that at 11th level as a uh, fucking, again, I love Speedster because the idea of that is nuts. The Flash just starts using It's just suddenly you're unable to hit them because they're moving so fast. Yeah. Like, it's bullshit. Feeble Mind. You turn somebody into a rock. Feeble Mind is crazy. On a failed saving throw, they take 5d6 psychic damage, which doesn't sound like a lot, but check this. (laughs) The creature's intelligence and charisma scores both become one. This creature can't activate powers, use gear, understand any languages, or communicate in any intelligible way. The creature can, however, identify his friends and follow them and protect them if possible. Uh, we had a character who started going around and casting feeble mind on like now, people. How lot. long, if you had to guess, how long would you think? How often do you think you could make a saving throw to like rely uh, on this? I know this spell. I want to say it's once every ten days. Higher. Higher? Higher. I thought it was... Higher. 100? No. Look, Jesus, we went from 10 to 100? The only two numbers. Okay. Uh, 30 days. So at the end of every 30 days, this creature can repeat its saving throw. If it succeeds, it ends. It can also be mended by greater restoration or heal. Now, it does not say it ends and they're immune to it for another 30 days. It just says it ends. So if I just want to be that guy, I can just follow this person around in their day-to-day life, and every time they magically roll out of it, once a fucking month, (laughs) congratulations, you're a rock again. It's like the fucking snail meme on TikTok, where it's like you're mortal as long as the snail doesn't catch you. The speedster can take feeble mind. The speedster. What does he fucking do? Run into their past and, like, remove, like, pull them out of education? They never went to school? (laughs) Like... What the fuck is that? He just fucking shakes them real hard. Feeble mind. That's 
fucking nuts. Rattles things around. Up and see there. if there's anything else I want to talk about, and then you can go to contingency, which is also so fucking sick. Bullshit. Uh, mind blank. You just get to wipe somebody's mind for 24 hours completely yeah. of all information. Yeah. Um, prismatic surge. It's basically I just, love prismatic surge. It's chaos bolt, but on steroids to the nth degree. Uh, it's just a shit ton of damage of a random, a couple of random, um, damage types. All of them. Reverse gravity, <laughs> 50 foot radius. Fuck reverse gravity. 100 foot actually. cylinder. Zero gravity if they fail their dexterity saving throws to grab onto an object. Uh, Sonic Some Clap. players are going to have fun with that. <laughs> Sonic Clap. Using a device, bellowing roar, or clapping powerful hands together, you release a powerful burst of thunderous power. A powerful burst of thunderous power. Each creature that can hear you... Very well said. ...that can hear you, not that you hit, not that is within radius, that can fucking hear you... Oh, take a guess on what time you can use this on. What action? Bonus action. Bonus action. 120 feet bonus action. On a failed saving throw, you hear this. 120 feet. You hear it. You're not even in the room, but you hear it anyways. If you are 50 hit points or lower, you are deafened for a minute. If you are 40 or lower, you are deafened and blinded for 10 minutes. Uh, if you are 30 points or fewer, you are blinded, deafened, stunned for a fucking hour. Uh, and if you are 20 hit points or lower, dead, you are killed instantaneously. <laughs> Regardless of its current hit points, a creature not of the material realm is forced back to its realm of origin if it isn't there already. Uh, and cannot return to the plane for 24 hours by any means. It's crazy to imagine using that in a city, and there's like a building nearby. It, so you just... let's think of the average hit points of a civilian. Yeah, You're that's probably what I'm thinking 10 or below. You walk into a fucking building and hit them with Sonic Clap. Congratulations. Everybody within 120 feet of you has just been murdered. <laughs> it's fucking insane, man. Absolutely not, insane. That needs to not be allowed in a city <laughs> setting because we are always fighting like near people. Oh my god! Fucking, there's a timer mine in here. There's regenerate, which basically says you touch somebody if they die, they come back with five d eight hit points. Mm -hmm. Mind bling. I mean, I already talked about that. Go ahead and tell them what contingency does, contingency. which can be used with any of these powers. Not these. Any, Sorry, any not any non powers. Any non signature powers. But I basically did it to do regenerate on myself. Uh, contingency is my favorite. Um, you can choose any non-signature power that has an activation of one time and then can target you. Um, and you basically create a contingency plan. You go fucking Batman mode. Um, and you expend <coughs> the power slots for this. Mm. But the thing is, this lasts for 10 days. Um, so what you do is you cast it and then you do a long rest and then you get those power <coughs> slots back. But you still have that contingency effect in place. Yep. Um, so basically, whenever your contingency thing happens... Um, that power goes off immediately. So you describe uh -huh. the circumstance when you use them. So basically you say contingency, so whenever water breathing. So it works the um, same way as preparing so an action does in 5th edition. Yeah, so basically, but I can say that lasts for 10 days. So the one I used uh, was when I go down to zero hit points, I'm going to cast Cure Wounds on myself, and I'm going to fucking bounce up, and I was giving myself 5d8 plus 5 health. <coughs> so if I went down, I was just coming back up to basically at the time full health for me because I was a fucking uh -huh. mystic. Um, it, it takes effect immediately after the circumstances met for the first time and then it ends. Um, and you can only use it on yourself though but it's insane because you use those power slots before 
mm-hmm. the spell takes place. Yeah. So I can prep myself to go into a fight and be like, cool, I'm giving myself two lives, essentially. Uh-huh. Or any or number of other broken Alternatively, bullshit. I go down to zero. Cool. I'm casting whatever like my highest damage dealing spell is, and I'm taking everyone down with me. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Some of our signature powers are a little more broken than others. I love consistency. Um, I mean... One of them, which is kind of silly when you compare it to any of the other ones I just mentioned, is Ambrostism Dart. I mean, it's still like 90 or, health. Sorry, Ambrostim Dart. Uh, yeah, you hit something that's willing, and um, they get 90 hit points back immediately. It ends blindness, deafness, any disease affecting them. It has no effects on constructs or undead. So, uh, fuck it. We're losing this fight. We're level 11. Merry Christmas. You're at 90 hit points. Yeah, that's... That's fucking insane. By the way, this isn't like they, they it, it says regain 90 hit points. So sky's the limit on that too. If someone yeah. like if a character has 120 hit points and they're at 10, it's not just like they're at 90, they get 90 more hit points. Yeah. <clears throat> Goes crazy. Yeah. So anyways, those are signature powers. We kind of talked about enhancements. Um enhancements again, any class can take any enhancement, which is really cool. Some give you just bonuses to wisdom saving throws. Uh, others like add pluses to your unarmed strikes. There are some that allow you to gain more powers from different classes. Uh, some allow you to integrate weapons like into your body using cybernetic enhancements. Um, like it's really cool. They really they basically took features and then made them relevant because you can stack them in really fun and cool ways. Like one of them is chilled body. You have resistance to all cold damage. Any creature that touches you takes five uh, takes damage equal to your proficiency and also has to make a con saving throw. Um, all sorts of fun shit. There's one other mechanic that I haven't mentioned yet, and then we'll talk more campaign stuff before we wrap up the episode, which is called Heroic Moments. It's another one of the unique mechanics they've introduced. Um, <clears throat> the way that it suggests doing it is that, you're, cough. Yeah, is that your players essentially get to vote at the end of each session, um, which I don't do it this way, but your players get to vote at the end of each session. Um, who deserves a heroic moment? So heroic moments are basically... Um, did your characters do something that is heroic? Is it making us like a, a self-sacrificing decision? Is it just like really on top of damage? Did they uh, lead at a really cool point? Did they come up with a really successful strategy? And then at the end of your session, you can go, okay, who gets the heroic moment? And then your team can sort of, like your players can elect it's who gets it. It's like a bardic inspiration. Yep. And then you get a bardic inspo that you can use on any role you want. And then you can store them depending on your proficiency level. But yeah, it's really fun. The way that I do it is uh, a little less limiting. I will hand them out myself, or I will let the table like make a request in the moment to give somebody a heroic moment as well. Because I don't know, I feel like you can get more than one in a day. You can only store one, but you yeah. can. I'm not gonna like if everybody in the party does some really heroic shit in a given session, or i.e. a day. I'm not gonna cap it to one person. Yeah. Like just because this person was heroic doesn't mean that person isn't either. So. It's just like another fun hero thing. Um, but yeah, that encourages good behavior. It does. That's pretty much everything we have to cover mechanically in the source book without getting into some more like super specifics. It, again, all the mechanics are the same in terms of size, movement speed, hit points, all that fun jazz. Um, I love it. Truly, I think it's a great companion source book, a great little addition to 5th edition, so you don't have to learn a whole new system. I mean, you do with the way that powers work, but once you understand how powers work... Um, like if you've ever just played a fucking warlock. Yeah, you're good. You're good. And if you haven't played a warlock, you should check out uh, our Table Talk episode in season one. Bro, we're on camera. You can't do that anymore. I have to do that. 
It's a requirement. It's a biological function. For those who were listening, uh, Robert keeps the trash can underneath the table so he could spit into it. I have um, permanent nasal drainage. It's on my medical file. It's in my history. <laughs> I have to spit. It kind of, Basically, all of the fun mucusy bullshit that you all get in your nose and that then drips down or you blow out, it goes down the back of my fucking throat. I'm not... Constantly. It never goes away. So um, eat shit respectfully I'm going to spit on camera because I would rather not have a glob of mucus sitting in the back of my throat than uh, talk and feel miserable. So Fair enough. I don't know what I was talking about. Um, Basically, it's the same as playing a warlock. Oh, yeah. If you haven't, lis- if you haven't played a warlock before, listen to our episode <clears throat> in season one where we talk about classes and... Um... And do a breakdown of them. Yep. You can learn how to play Warlock there. Yeah, pretty much. So to end today's session, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about how I decided to set up my campaign based in the Capes and Crooks system. And then we'll also show uh, some of the fun stuff that Madison has made for our players at the table and even some of my NPCs. So I've told you a bit about the world and sort of the universe that we're playing in. It's grounded and all that. Nothing, None of that has changed. I'm not just like gaslighting you. Um, so it follows... Five, right? I'm not crazy. Five? We have to count every time, like we don't play together every Saturday. Five. Follows five heroes in the loosest terms possible. So we have Nightlight, who's like a 21-year-old, up-and-coming Spider-Man-y kind of character, uh, finding her place in the world. We have uh, the Shadow, who is basically Batman, but a lot more brutal, somehow, and actually has powers, so he's not fucking useless. Um, you've, you've heard of what Nightlight's powers are. The shadows is, or the shadow is, his powers are, I don't know how to fucking say that, are basically the opposite of Nightlight in some ways, where everything, hers is like, uh, light generated, everything his, everything he has, I'm having a stroke, um, everything he has <laughs> is, breath, man. is based in shadow powers, and everything is branded to be like, using the darkness, which, fun fact, basically means that he's only useful for half of the day. Uh, but he gets buffs when he's in the dark, so all of his powers are amped up, and he does some really fun stuff. Um, he's also a telekinetic, so that's the the role that he chose, which means uh, most of his damage is psychic. So he's really leaning into like the scarecrow, fear toxin yeah. type of Batman, where it's like it's psychological warfare, but like literal. Yeah, like I'm like in Batman your, meets, I'm in your fucking brain, yeah, dude. Batman meets Venom meets Scarecrow. Yeah, and then add like telekinesis to that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a really cool, fun mix. But he's the character who has like a really bad reputation <laughs> because it's like in a world where every deviant who calls himself a superhero is responsible for maintaining the reputation of superheroes because it is a very new and still highly criticized thing. He is the black sheep that goes out and like breaks people's legs and literally traumatizes them to deal physical damage to them um, and does a lot of really fucked up Batman fear-based things to basically get villains in check. Yeah. So he's he's a hero, uh, but the public doesn't necessarily view him like one, um, just like a lot of the public in DC Comics doesn't view Batman as one. He's a vigilante who breaks yeah. shit and racks up the bills when his Batmobile goes through a building. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the same level of, okay, you're not a fucking hero, but you can put on the costume anyways. And it's like, what do you mean? No, you're just beating up a poor person. That's not yep. That's not fixing the, like, infrastructure of Gotham. Yeah. That's... So his background is that he's a little bit older. He's, like, 39. He's 40. He's somewhere in, in that age range. We never really narrowed it down. He's the most experienced hero out of all the people in our setting. He's been around the block for a while, and he kind of it takes on in a way, a mentorship role within the group, just having the most experience. And it's kind of like this disgruntled Batman who never wanted a Robin in the first place, but then suddenly ends up with like four of them uh, doesn't know how to interact with any of them because he's been a solo hero his entire career. It's also a thing of like, the Robins didn't find him. He looked at them and was like, Mine. But then also My didn't children. also didn't want the Robins. And then also didn't tell the Robins. So it's just like <laughs> we're like in a group and he's like, What are you doing? And we're like, just fucking go to the store. He's like, Okay. It's like I'll fuck somebody up if they look at you though, but also like, don't talk to me. Did I get adopted without me knowing that you adopted <laughs> me? And then you also didn't tell me that you're adopting me. But you also didn't want to adopt me? Yeah. What's up, man? He's a conflicted uh, character for sure. It's a really sure. fun character. It's, a, it's to play like with Dad them. Batman, but absolutely hates Robins, but also can't not help but bring them in. Yeah. Um, so that's him. And then we have uh, Volt, who's a really fun character. Uh, if you listen to previous episodes, Volt is the one that fucks up the campaign in a mighty way. Uh, I'm not going to put that on the player because I still fully believe that that was the character. Basically, it makes a lot of really poor decisions. Go listen to previous episodes where I break some of the some of the worst moments we've had at the table down. His was we a long one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I almost <laughs> threw up uh, in that session where things got so bad that I had to do a full hard reset um, in our little one shot fixing the timeline. Um, um, in concept, he's like a C lister, so he's like the same level of experience that the Shadow has. He's a little bit younger. He's like in his early thirties, late twenties. Um, and is like a slightly more popular hero who works in um, Uptown. He doesn't work in the Eastern Fringes, like the outside of the the outskirts of the Gem City and Sapphire City. Uh, he like works with more positive, like uh, nice and neatly wrapped cases, and it's very pretty on the outside. Like wears a white and gold suit, blue and gold suit. We're in the middle of a change. Um, and is like a speedster, kind of, and uses lightning powers and teleports. And as and a is... character, is just kind of fucking crazy. And as like... a character, like his powers, is just as nuts as you think somebody who teleports constantly is, right? Like, the <laughs> you think about what that person's mental state is, that's exactly who he is. He is like a mad scientist with the ability to teleport. Oh, and use lightning in a city full of technology. And with that comes a deep understanding of how technology works. So again, yeah. when I tell you we have a very tech-based group, it's really I mean tech-based. it. Um, and he also works for DRT, which is like the FBI and also the standing military for Gem Cities. Yeah. Which is just kind of like a fun, undercover, kind of conflict of interest thing. Um, our other hero, loosely call him that because he's not really a hero yet, is um, Sebastian. We call him by his first name because he is like an 18-year-old boy who does not want to be a hero, but is going to be because that is the campaign that we are playing in. He just got um, a superhero suit. And just picked his name, which is Kaze, which means wind in Japanese. Uh, his father is Hispanic, deeply so, <laughs> and his mother is Asian only because he wanted the character to be Asian in some respects because he has a deep love for Japanese culture. He's also been to Japan. It's not like an appropriation thing. Um, He's an archaeologist. Yeah, so he he loves all of that. But uh, his power, so he picked element controller for his um, role and 
not his role, his origin. Um, I don't know what the fuck his role was. Or no, element controller is the role. I'm getting things mixed up. He's Ignore me. He's the elemental person. Yeah, he's the element controller role. That's the role that he picked. Yeah. Um, so he wields the wind. If you couldn't pick that up by Kaze, uh, Japanese wind. He uses, um, he's one also kind of a, one of our more mystical characters. So Volt is very, uh, kind of rides the line between mystical and like material. His powers are also the inherited background. So he was gifted powers of, uh, immense, basically electrical lightning powers. I haven't talked about it or explored it in the campaign. So I don't want to say it in front of Madison, but he's cool. Is inherited. Also, the person who plays that character listens. Yeah, and the person who plays. I don't want to like out of that stuff because there are people that also listen to this campaign that are a part of the campaign that don't know what his origin is. So I'm going to leave that to him. Um, but Sebastian slash Kaze is one of the more mystical characters because instead of just like wielding the wind, we branded it as like he talks to wind spirits and then sort of communicates with them and uses them to pull off what his powers are. So yeah. it's not just I can wield the wind. It's I can talk and communicate with like this natural force that only I am able to speak to. Yeah. Um, which is a really cool spin on the traditional element controller um, like take and way that we see it portrayed in a lot of universes. He cares about family first and foremost. His family runs a shop in the shittiest part of town. So that's kind of where a lot of the reluctancy to become a hero comes from. Uh, his father is also like the number two ranked hero in the entire city and is like known for being a mega asshole. So he doesn't live with his father anymore. He lives with his aunt who runs the mechanic shop. So he's also got the mechanic background. So it's kind of like the unwilling hero with a lot of potential of figuring it out as they go. Um, it's very like, I don't want to be a hero because that puts my family at risk. And I'm friends with a lot of gangs and criminals in the area because that's how I survive. Literally told his father last session, go easy on the gangs, dad. And his father, who's the number two hero in the entire city and also an asshole, goes... They're gangs, Sebastian. Which is like, <laughs> I hate, like, we're not Team Inferno, but like, yeah, that is a fair point. He goes, nah, the gangs are all right. His his best friend, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky Sanchez, Ricky has shot has created so many people, his own <laughs> criminal empire. And we watched and does a lot of drugs, pulled a gun on Nightlight. One. Pulled a gun on me immediately. Got our first official kill of the campaign. Yeah, like multiple kills. He just um, straight up uses guns. Like he teleports behind people and then shoots them. He's on like a fuck ton of coke and every upper you can imagine, as mm -hmm. well as some uh, plot And he's Sebastian's drugs. best friend. And he's like, yeah, bud. Because the idea is that like Sebastian living in a really shitty part of town um, like makes friends with the people that you have to make friends with to survive. So yeah. like Ricky is one of those people that like protects the shop. Uh, and make sure that, like, the gangs that he's associated with don't, like, run protection money and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, so that's Sebastian. Really cool character. My kind character of in the is works. also from the same part of town, which is wild to imagine. Yeah, but yours is, like, I'm a broke college student looking for an affordable place. Sebastian yeah. is, like, I, I, I more or less grew up there. Yeah. So it's a little bit different in that way. But it does not to take away from, like, where she is. It's just kind of different background. Uh, so we have Vault, we have Sebastian slash Gaze, yeah. we have Nightlight. Yeah, I'm getting there. I mean, there. I also can, I, a little bit more of a description for Nightlight, because I didn't talk about, like... I'll hit Chip, and then you can finish with yours, okay. and we'll close out with your character. Um, then we have Chip, who's our android, the one that I alluded to earlier being fucking broken. So, the role that he took is exosuit, which is where I had to do a lot of thinking, what does an exosuit look like to a robot? Is it just a bigger robot? that you can step into is the littler robot. 
Like, is it I wish fucking Gundam-style what... mecha? Like, what are we, what I are we doing? I wish have gone with just a bigger robot. Just a bigger robot. No, I picked fucking nanobots, uh, because a lot of the technology it references in the source book is nanotechnology, because we're in 2099, and that's a thing that we have. So his uh, suit that he dons and doffs is basically uh, a really advanced um, technological fucking weave of nanobots. It's like Iron Man armor from Endgame. Yeah. If, if you can, if you know what that is or can imagine what that is. Yeah, if you've ever heard of this, like, little... Not everybody watches called... Marvel movies. That's all I'm saying. Not everybody does. I understand that, but everyone knows Endgame. Nah, not everybody. Look up the- Shout out to any of you that are listening or watching that have not watched Endgame. Madison looks like a fucking fool right now. I just learned that- Never mind. I already talked about that in the last episode, <laughs> where I was like- it's- So, Chip's origin is probably one of my favorites. So, he is- um, The way that we start off with him is that he is this really experimental, under uh, like under wraps- um, robot that is combat unit that is essentially being designed by DRT uh, to be able to adapt to any deviation within the city. Um, if anyone's familiar with comics, you'll, you'll very quickly pick up on that this is basically the Sentinels yeah. from X-Men, right? Brats that are eventually become so advanced that they can respond and overcome and adapt any deviation or any power that they um, come face to face with. And that's where Chip comes in so uh he basically is the first prototype first of his kind is on basically a shipment to be destroyed so that nobody can get a hold of the technology and so that they can continue to make more prototypes without like leaving the dirty laundry around um and then that shipment gets fucking yoinked it gets robbed uh because they have to go to the shipping dock which is a hop skip and a jump away from the eastern fringes where a lot of our fun criminal gangs like to hang out uh so they gets fucking robbed and gets robbed hard and it's a guy named the so Confather, hard. who's a fucking Jersey gangster, half man, half shark, that always is smoking a fucking cigar. I love the Confather. Robs the shipment so for guns and ends up with a fun little surprise called Chip. Um, they manage to turn him on somehow by fucking with him enough, and then he basically gets booted as a newborn. And instead of being this like programmed murder bot because they fucked something up he's in him. He's like fucking C-3PO to job of the He's hut. just he's a, like... yeah, he's basically just C-3PO, but like just turned on. So instead of having like this murder personality, he's just a guy. Yeah, he's just He's a little baby that don't know nothing. It's... He follows orders when anybody asks him to do something uh, and is basically raised by a bunch of criminals like the movie Chappie. He just gets raised by a bunch of fucking gangsters and that's his socialization. Uh, and then we literally pick up with him in our first session where he's bodyguarding for Codfather as all of our other heroes break in coincidentally at the same time into Codfather's warehouse. And then he defects because he basically gets fucking kidnapped. I was rereading my session one notes and the first interaction that Nightlight ever had with Chip was when she was trying to de-escalate because Jerry mm-hmm. started punching people and she's like, hey... Maybe we calm down. Mm-hmm. And uh, she gets fucking dogpiled by multiple people. And he goes, I've got this. And picks her up and just goes, hi, little one. And she goes, no, and kicks him and runs. And that was the first interaction. Yeah, Chip's, Chip's cute. Chip's um, the sort of the naivete to the campaign, uh, which is kind of fun to watch and explore because it's like getting to mold this little, not little, actually. He... um. He's the strongest character, I would say, in the party off Marshally. of... Uh, I mean, not, not even Marshally. Just the powers he has, too. Like, he has a ridiculous amount of broken ranged abilities. Um, just the origin he picked and the role he picked and the way he's built his powers, 
He is fucking stacked. Um, his health is double. Anybody else is in the party. He can do as much damage as anybody else can. Uh, he's got shield, which can buff his AC to like 21. He also started with a 20 in constitution. Started with a 20 in con. One. Like, he has a busted character, which is what you would think would happen when you have a robot that's partially made from nanotechnology. Yeah. He can do anything. So, you know, fingers crossed the party can turn him into a good person. Hmm. Which is kind of what's happening. He's got a friend called Bodega Man, who I haven't given a name. Um, And then go ahead and sort of talk about your character and a little bit of her background. Uh, Daisy Dents, uh, 21-year-old college student, deeply engrossed in, like, fan culture. She's a huge, huge superhero fan. Always dreamed of kind of being one. Um, Then she gets her own powers and is like, I'm going fucking full send. Um, She doesn't have a lot of ties to Sapphire City in the way that the other characters do. Her family's from another city. She ends up um, kind of basically moving to Sapphire City. Diamond City. Yes. I... Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was Diamond or Ruby. It was one of the fucking two. I just made um, it up. Oh, Diamond City it is. Diamond um, City it is. That's one of the ones that says it exists in the book. There so. we go. Um, and she kind of moves. It's kind of sad looking back. She kind of like moved to the city on her own at 16. Um, yeah. Because she got her powers when she was pretty young. And it's been kind of like very like friendly neighborhood Spider-Man um, building her own little like she she's like, oh yeah, I've been like a superhero for like five or six years now. Mm-hmm. She's been rescuing cats from trees. Big on social media. Uh, really big on social media. She went viral a couple times mostly because she's just like, uh, no, she's just a fucking, like in the same way Renee Rapp was like like going viral with all of her interviews of she's just like, there's no professionalism there. Very distinct personality too. Yeah. She's very like bubbly, peppy, um, and like loves what she does. And so Nightlight has her um, her little comic booky powers and she's just so fucking happy to be there. Yeah. Like the, the, the hero in the campaign that wants to be a hero and enjoys being a hero. And tries to make everyone else be a hero. And is uh-huh. like, yeah, there's good in everyone. I don't care if you have a gun to my head. I know there's good in you kind of vibe. Um, and then she has uh, like her couple of fun. I'd say I made these fun little bracelets for everyone. She made friendship bracelets for every character. Um, that she meets, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, which are what these are. So if you want to talk about the the three characters, the NPCs that you've got bracelets. Sure, for. I'll hit three NPCs. Oh, and I'll we'll show go up mine. So this is my blackout bracelet. Oh, and we go ahead and wrap things. Blackout. Uh, she has a secret identity. Um, along with her other secret identity called Blackout, who is like an edgier persona. Um, that she uses for like recon stuff. Speaking of other fun character facts, so one thing that I didn't mention about the Shadow uh, in terms of why his origin is is interesting is that his father is the mayor of the city. Yeah. And his younger brother is one of the most popular heroes in the city. And they don't like each other, if you can surmise, if you can, you know, parse that one out. Um, Like, he's dark and broody, has like black hair, a beard, he's a doctor, he just hates life, but he's doing what he's got to do because that's kind of yeah. what he sees his role is. And then you have um, Jury, who is like blonde-haired, fucking blue-eyed, clean-shaven, like works out all the time, and his powers are like super cookie-cutter. It's basically he can fly, he can go really fast, and he can punch people hard, and he's like durable, even though that's never been proven. Um he, like, has daddy's money using, like, the mayor's money and basically putting out comics of himself. He has a super heavy personal PR team. Um, he's known all over the city. He's not even that experienced of a hero, uh, but everyone knows who he is, and everyone also knows who the shadow is. So, like, yeah. the contradiction between the two is kind of funny. 
Uh, the other thing, which is also funny, is that the Shadow is objectively a much better person than Jerry is. Oh, yeah. Jerry's like frat boy douchebag in it for the fame and the fun and the booze and the women, but oh, also a like being a hero is cool sometimes too. Yeah. And then Shadow is like, no, like I'm genuinely in it to help people. I just think that I have to break people's legs to help them. Yeah. It's very, very fun dynamic to play with. Um, yeah. And... They just recently got into a, a combat encounter slash session with one another and the tension is palpable for sure. Yeah. He's one of my favorite NPCs though, Jerry, 100%. Um, and then we have Parker who uh, comes from New Metro. There's a bit of an origin story to that, uh, which I don't think we have time to get into, but we will next time we talk about the campaign. Basically, best friends with Nightlight. Um, is kind of like Daisy, a, not Nightlight. With Daisy is like a hero hater, kind of narcissistic in the way that some people, like Batman with the whole contingency thing of like, there's no one that has powers that isn't going to go a little wrong at some point. Yeah. Um, it's the whole like power corrupts absolutely. Um, and like he, he sees and he understands that there are people out there that are doing good with their deviations and with their powers. But at the end of the day, there's a greater risk of them going sideways than there is of them doing good. Uh, and that's kind of where the fun, like dynamic comes between Daisy. Daisy's a superhero lover and is a literal superhero that is actively hiding her identity from Parker. And Parker doesn't like superheroes. And he's like, his version of justice is like community involvement. And he actively volunteers at like soup kitchens and homeless shelters and does advocacy stuff. So he's like kind of Harvey Dent in the, the Batman Begin movie yeah. um, where it's like he's the, the right way. He's the way it should go. Yeah. Um, but then she's like, did you, read, did you hear about this cool new superhero? She's so awesome. And he's like, uh-huh. Okay. So a vigilante, a small terrorist. It's not like it's it's that's the and then, that's the vibe. vibe. It's like yeah. it's like she's like, well, okay, that's fine. Those are strong words. Anyways, <laughs> this is a bracelet. He's goes all green. I um, also have this one, which is a Daisy and Parker friendship bracelet. It's very cute. And then we have uh, Morph, who's probably one of my favorite NPCs alongside Jury. Uh, Morph is the inspiration for his character. It comes from a book series that I've read, actually. Uh, this is something I should note before we finish this episode. When I talked about origins and um, inspiration, a huge inspiration for this campaign, especially locations in some of the NPCs, uh, comes from a book series online uh, called the Heroes Rise Trilogy, if I'm getting that correct. Uh, the guy that wrote the books, I'm pretty sure his name is Zachary Levy or Zachary Lewis, something like that. Zachary Levy's an actor. Uh, I, I know that. He's got a very similar name. But anyways, guy's awesome. He wrote, uh, basically, they're, they're like little um, AO3 flip books, kind of. They're like choice games. I didn't know I was playing D&D, and then I found out I was for multiple years. Read the whole series. It's super fun. You get to make your own hero. A lot of the locations, named locations in Sapphire City uh, come directly from that universe. Jury comes directly from that universe. Morph comes directly from that universe. He's the protagonist of the second series in this universe. Um, but his power set is basically, he is one of, um, one of the many animal powered heroes, or deviants, I guess I should say, in Sapphire City around the globe. And they face a lot of discrimination because they oftentimes have the uglier power set. Like Jury, who is clean cut. He looks like a normal guy. He's traditionally attractive. His powers are fun and very like PC, uh, is looked upon very differently than somebody who has like, a elephant trunk for a face and is disfigured because of the scales growing under their fingernails. Um, like those are the people that get often the most mistreatment in the city. 
um, and morph is basically like the epitome of all of those things that could be like really good. Um, so he basically wakes up every day with a new set of powers that are directly linked to animals. Some days his face is that of like a lion or a cheetah. Other days it's like a fucking Doberman. Next day it could be a chicken. Um, and he can essentially turn any part of his body into whatever kind of an animal part he wants it to be. And so he's an incredibly versatile and potentially really powerful hero. Uh, but he's kind of in the same situation with Nightlight where he's like up and coming. He's kind of on the like lower than Spider-Man level and is just trying to find a way to make a difference in his community and the Eastern Fringe is helping uh, the the, the anti-powers. And so kind of his role in the campaign at this point and in the city at large is to be like a really positive role model and a really positive image for uh, anti-powers across the city. And is also a really good friend of Nightlight at this point because they've met uh, doing like a kind of off-the-wall mission. It's somewhere lost in the timeline in the campaign. (laughs) Yeah. I'll say those three got bracelets because they are three of uh, Nightlight's friends. Uh, well, friends loosely for juries. I'm gonna say juries but... is strong. Friends is stretching a little bit. Yeah, I'd say POI. What person of interest? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's a person of interest. Yeah, he's like helping her be a hero and also just yeah. wants to have sex. You know. You know. She's 21. She's gonna make bad decisions. Yeah. Um, but those are her three kind of like, uh, her buddies. So I made them little bracelets. Her buddies. Awesome. Well, I think we're going to go and wrap it up here. I think this is close to another hour and a half episode. So, uh, that is Capes and Crooks in a nutshell. That's sort of the, the way that I've taken the source book. Also just the source book in general. I highly recommend it for anybody that wants to jump into a pre-established superhero system for fifth edition mm-hmm. um it is incredibly moldable and is really easy to customize i mean you've heard a lot of the changes that i've made to it bringing in different pieces of different universes cannot truly recommend it enough it's been fantastic so thank you all see you next week bye-bye